Hello everyone, welcome back to Duel of the Takes. Today, we are doing a bit of a throwback in terms of format. We're just doing a regular kind of ranking um, with locks and vetoes. It's just the three Duel of the Takes hosts, no guests. And today's topic is list of animation slash live action hybrids where the main character is animated. Um, it's kind of a weird subgenre, but there's surprisingly a lot of these movies and they don't seem to be going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, this was, I feel like this trend started early in our childhood, maybe a little bit before with films like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Space Jam. And then, I mean, there's like four of these movies a year now, whether it's Peter Rabbit or Tom and Jerry movie, you can't avoid these. No, it's, um, it's weird. Cause I feel like the peak of it was in the two thousands, but now with the release of Sonic, and now that's getting sequels, I feel like it's kind of had a revival lately. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, I, I mean, I feel like it hasn't really gone away. It's just the movies stopped being, like, noteworthy at all. But now I feel like there's more and more of them. Some of these movies are getting sequels. Sp we're doing this because uh, Space Jam 2, A New Legacy, is right around the corner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, this should be fun. Uh, we're going to start off with locks. Everybody gets to lock one movie that's in their top ten that will be on the group's list for the top ten movies. Oh, boy. Alden, what are you locking? Uh, well, I know one, maybe two of these is pretty safe, so I'm going to lock the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Okay. The first one? Yes. All right, so Alden locks SpongeBob SquarePants the movie. Josh, what are you locking into our top ten? Uh, Happy Feet. No. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna lock. I'm between two movies, and it's either do I play it safe or do I piss off the panel? I'm playing it pretty safe here personally, but you feel free to do what you want. Garfield: Tale of Two Kitties. Holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> There it is. Thank you. I'll explain my take later. That's okay. Where are the locks? Like, what is the lowest I can go? Top 10. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to play it safe here. I'm locking the movie Enchanted. Mm -hmm. Okay, good choice. Good choice. Um, it's pretty high up on my list, and I would be very pissed if this one didn't make the top 10 personally. So I'm just going to play close to my chest and lock Enchanted. Sweet. So there are 25 spots. Three of them are already filled in the top 10. Uh, I, I don't know who to start with. Josh, the, you're the one who wanted to expand this to 25. What what movie is just now making the cut? We all have one veto, and I do anticipate the big fish claws being used at some point. Uh, my number 25 is the Michael Bay-produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yikes. Huh? It just made my list. The first one or the second one? The first one. The second one, I didn't even finish i thought the second one was better i agree maybe but i went with this one <laughs> <laughs> they're both pretty bad you're fine i don't yeah they are i went with this one because i went into this movie expecting to hate it and it was a surprise i there are moments where i actually like this movie and the cast of the ninja turtles i think were actually entertaining uh, Megan Fox wasn't this big, like, terrible thing as April O'Neil like everybody thought. Maybe you want somebody else playing April O'Neil, but... I would have preferred anyone. I think she was fine for the movie she was in. I think this is the only movie on my list that there's not a lot of ironic love, just like, oh, I'm surprised this didn't, like, totally, like, 
suck. Yeah, I see what you're saying. There's definitely a lot of these movies where there's either like a nostalgia charm that like works for me, and this one kind of came out more recently, so there's not really a nostalgia charm with M- Michael Bay's take on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but definitely a movie that I, was in consideration for my list, but when we narrowed it down to 25, it didn't make the cut for me. But I, I'm okay with it here at 25. It was either this or like a Smurfs movie, so. I, I had Hop here at 25. <laughs> <laughs> Which is going to be a lot funnier when we get to Illumination. <laughs> yeah, I had the Smurfs at 25. Damn. So, no vetoes or anything? Everybody's cool with that? No. I really... This is fine. Yeah, that, that's a good spot for it. I don't think it's going to be the only Michael Bay recognition, though. Yikes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's my only Michael Bay recognition. Uh, I'll go next at 24, then. I have the first Garfield movie. And uh, it just Garfield the movie. I uh, put this movie here mostly just because of the story of how Bill Murray got attached to the project, which I find really funny. <laughs> the the writer of the movie, uh, Joel Cohen, I believe is his name. Hang on, let me look that up. Yeah, Joel Cohen, the writer of the movie, uh, Bill Murray just assumed was one of the Cohen brothers. <laughs> and so he thought this was going to be like a really artsy take on Garfield. So he didn't even read the script, signed on to the movie. And, uh, yeah, what he, what he got in for was, I think, uh, one of the earlier attempts at bringing one of these CG characters to the screen and, uh, doing the beloved comic strip Garfield, but, uh, this movie kind of misses the point of Garfield, I think, in a lot of ways. It's kind of like a by-the-numbers, like, mystery that Garfield gets into. I think the way that they blend the CGI in with the real world is also kind of weird, because, like, Odie's just a normal dog, (laughs) but then Garfield is a CGI cat. (laughs) But I I like this movie for what it was. I remember seeing this in theaters as a little kid, and uh, I thought it was fine. I I thought it was okay, and uh, I don't really have any intention to go back to it. I just think it's so funny how Bill Murray now, in hindsight, is like, oh, that was a mistake, or it's like... uh, uh, in Zombieland, when uh, his character gets shot, the, the the younger girl comes up to him and she's like, "Well, do you do you have any regrets?" He was like, "I don't know, Garfield maybe." <laughs> There's this like tongue in cheekness to him getting attached to this project, and what's really odd is he sticks around for a sequel. So <laughs> this couldn't have been that bad for him. It made a lot of money. Wow, I accidentally deleted my ranking. <laughs> Bruh. What? Good thing there's a recently deleted folder. Jesus. Okay. Are you on notes? Maybe. <laughs> and <laughs> I think the first Garfield movie is real bad, and that's why the Garfield sequel is so high on my list. I will say I do have Garfield, A Tale of Two Kid- Kitties, noticeably higher on my list than the first Garfield movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of want to switch my lock now. Um, But I don't think it's worth a veto, but... It's fine. I do think the story behind it, him thinking it's a Coen Brothers movie, is really funny. Yeah. What do you think, Alden? I don't even have the first one on my list. That's it. That's all I have to say. I don't I don't have much thoughts on it. I hate it. Yeah, if you guys don't like it, you could veto it and put something else here too. I'm not I'm not married to Garfield the movie. I just <laughs> wanted to share that little trivia fact for our audience. <laughs> okay, well I have a feeling, and if not, I don't really care, but I have a feeling that Tale of Two Kitties is going to show up later. Uh it is Josh's lock, so it's currently locked into our top ten, yes. Alright, then we uh I'll veto. I don't care. Uh actually, Alden. Okay. We can do a big fish clause here. And here? (laughs) 
I know our locks are for the top 10, but the more I think about it, the more I look at my list now. I'm fine if Tale of Two Kitties goes here, actually. Just replace it with Tale of Two Kitties? Wait, what? <laughs> what is going on here? I'm, I'm looking at my list and I'm like, I may have gone too far in a few places. I don't even know what's happening with my list until like the top 10, so I feel like you're fine. It's a duel of the takes first. I might be reverting my lock here. What? Okay. If you place Tale of Two Kitties here at 24, you can change your lock. Alright, that's what I'm gonna do. I like that. Okay, what, what do you want your new lock to be? <laughs> I think I am just gonna play it safe, and I'm gonna put Christopher Robin in my top 10. Oh, that's wholesome. Yeah. Okay, cute. Okay. That's in my top 10 as well. I'd rather this be in the group top 10. Okay. So Tale of Two Kitties is now at 24? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Garfield and Tale of Two Kitties, number 24 on this list. A childhood favorite of Josh is getting absolutely betrayed here. Uh, do you want to speak about it? I mean, you felt passionately enough about it to put it in your top 10. Yeah, so, like, I think this movie's really underrated because, like, okay, so the first Garfield, financially, was successful. What do you do? And, like, they, I feel, and, like, they make it this, like, just, like, Wacky, what if there was another cat who looked like Garfield in this universe who also was CGI and talked, even though the rest of the animals we have ever seen in this universe are just animals? And then they go to England, and then you have that, and, like, they t they just, like, took all these weird elements with it and made it so wacky. And, and like, Garfield's, like, out here making lasagna for the animals because they never had lasagna. And that whole sequence is funny. And, like, at least the other animals talk so it's not like uh, the dog who can't talk. It the the rules of this universe makes no sense, but I love it. It's really I think it's really funny. And doesn't Tim Curry voice the other cat too, the Prince Cat? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, no this the second Garfield movie is actually a pretty fun family movie. It has a lot more of those like yeah those like fun animal slapstick hijinks moments. The story is definitely a little bit better. And both these movies know what they are. They're fucking 80 minutes long. They're not trying to make it some epic. They're just family-friendly comedies. But the second one is significantly better. Mm -hmm. I like that it takes place in England. That makes it funny. Yeah. Yeah. The British are funny. Not on purpose, though. Sweet. So Garfield, Tale of Two Kitties, number 24. Michael, Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is at 25. And that means we are to you, Alden. What is your 23rd favorite live-action CG hybrid where the main character is animated? Yeah, so I none of none of my bottom three have been placed, and I don't want to place any of them, if I'm being honest. Okay, well, just look at that master list that I sent you guys. No, 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 no. It's fine. I'm just going to say Transformers, the first one, the original. Okay. Out of Michael Bay's, like, directed Transformers movies, this is the my second favorite. I don't think it's good at all, but it's really funny, ironically. And I mean, we're getting a Transformers 7. It's got to be given some credit for allowing that. I know Bumblebee is like a prequel, but still, it's the seventh Transformers movie. Yeah, I don't have any major issues with the Transformers series. Like, I know they get a lot of hate. I think they're, they're good for what they are. Yeah, they're dumb action movies for the whole family. My biggest gripe with them is that they're like all an hour, hour and a half longer than they need to be. <laughs> yeah. I think this is the only one that's under two hours, and that alone makes it watchable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you get to like 
Transformers Age of Extinction or The Last Night. Those movies are like two hours and 25 minutes plus. It's ridiculous. What's the third one? Dark Side of the Moon or whatever? Yeah, The Dark of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon. I don't even uh, appreciate watching that one again. I I watched it maybe twice now and I'm fine never seeing it again. But the first one, Revenge of the Fallen and Bumblebee. I like those three. Those are those are good ones. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I don't have any gripes here with Transformers making the list. It's not on mine personally. But I also didn't grow up with those movies. I just didn't watch them in theaters when I was a kid. So Yeah, I have Revenge of the Fallen at my number 23 just because it was the first Transformers movie I ever watched. So just kind of, I guess, have more of a connection to that movie. I know the second movie was kind of like the beginning of the end when it came to quality. Uh, kind of, but it was definitely the peak. Like the cultural peak. I remember kids at school talking about these movies a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, Bumblebee is clearly a better movie than both of these, but in terms of the following that it gained and what it actually was, it, this was the peak. This was Michael Bay's best out of that time period. Sweet. Well, not the original. Revenge of the Fallen. But yeah, I I want the original at 23. Okay, that's cool. I have no gripes with that. And uh, everyone still has a veto on the table. We did a weird, like, big fish slash lock exchange at 24. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I believe it is back to you, Josh. What is your number 22 movie? Uh, Fat Albert. (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay. I like this movie. Um, Let's go. I do too. I really wish it had space on my list because there's things about it that I really, really like. When they actually, so in the beginning of the movie, of course, it's in 2D animation. And then when they cross over to uh, the real world, like the the costumes and everything still look really good. They still keep it like... They still keep the clothes, like, like still looks like a cartoon, I guess. No, it's still very, like, vibrant. They, like, have the same exact wardrobe that they wear in the cartoon. So you know who everyone is, just they're in live action now. Oh, but Bill Cosby's in this, isn't he? Uh, yeah, the show is his show, and so he's in the movie as himself. I forgot about that. Hmm. Can I make another switch? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to nominate something else instead of Fat Albert at 22, Josh? Kangaroo Jack? I don't think anything's problematic in that. It's funny. Let's go for it. I like Kangaroo Jack a lot. It's actually at my number 22 as well. Oh, epic. Let's do that. Oh, I forgot it on my list. I just realized. Kangaroo Jack's a lot of fun. I, I like that first movie a lot. I It's one of those that I remember watching a lot as a kid. And uh, I went back to it a couple years ago to see if it had, like, held up. I think it was just on Amazon or something, and I was bored one afternoon. I was like, oh, 90 minutes? This this can't be, like, a waste of my time. And I, the story is, like, uh, a lot more elaborate than I remember it being. There's, like, uh, money that they lose in the Australian outback. The, uh, like, two childhood best friends. It's got, like, uh, I think it's Anthony... Anderson, right? The guy on Blackish. He's funny. He's good as the comedic relief guy. And uh, Christopher Walken as the villain is fun. Uh, him and Michael Shannon really do a lot to elevate the stakes of this like mob movie in the Australian outback. It's it's fun. It's definitely it's it's still it's still cheesy, but it holds up enough where it, it's worth watching again if you don't remember if you don't remember most of it like I didn't. It um no, I always found this movie entertaining too. It was uh, always a favorite when I was a kid. The movie's cool. It's underrated. Did you guys ever see the fucking straight to Cartoon Network sequel, Kangaroo Jack Good Day USA? I do remember that. Yeah. I think I did, but 
It's I'm not remembering any of the movie. It was not the vibe. It was a really weird way to go about continuing the Kangaroo Jack saga. <laughs> Sweet. Kangaroo Jack, number 22. Um, well, it's my turn, and I think I'm going to have the first true hot take of the list. Uh-oh. There may or may not be a veto here. At number 21, I have Space Jam. Mmm. Mmm. That's really low. I really like Space Jam. I loved it as a kid. But it's one of those movies that it hasn't gotten better with age. It's not one of those that I like going back to now as an adult. Unlike other CGI live-action animation hybrids with the Looney Tunes, this movie is simply a, a kid's movie. I think there's a lot of cool 90s pop culture in there. I think the Quad City DJ's like song for Space Jam is fun. The soundtrack in general is pretty great, but you don't really get a lot of great basketball scenes, and you also don't get a lot of great looney tune scenes on their own my I, I think i said it like last week on the podcast when we were talking about upcoming movies my favorite scene in the original space jam is when the tunes have to go into the real world to go and get michael jordan's sneakers i, I think like the movie really thrived with the tunes interacting with real life environments and that's what i wanted to see of more than uh michael jordan in like the tune world and not really I mean, trying to teach them how to play basketball, it's just, it was cool for, like, merchandising purposes, and I get why it's a pop culture staple of the 90s, but this movie, it's just, it, it's not the tunes incorporated in the way that I would like to see them, and that's why I'm really worried for Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. I think I'm going to veto this. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> the movie's way too iconic to at least not have in the top 15, I think it's just the way too low for me what i'll put in its place i feel like i could put anything right alden uh i mean yeah alden what's your opinion on the ted movies they're they're right here both of them if any ted movie goes on it i kind of want to put ted 2 here based ted 2 i think is better than the first one what i like about ted 2 is that seth MacFarlane kind of used um more of the family guy type humor you have that in the first one but then Ted 2 actually has like those side those side like jokes that you, that you have in Family Guy episodes like actual like early Family Guy 2 where it's actually like and cutaway jokes. Yeah. And um I think Ted 2's just pacing humor humor wise is really good and uh if I'm going to put either one I'm not a huge fan of either one but I find Ted 2 like really entertaining and it's something I could like put on with friends on a random like on a random Saturday, if we got nothing to do, have a few beers, I'll I'll get some laughs out of Ted too. Uh, I have a question. Why do you guys think Seth MacFarlane just straight up went with the voice of Peter Griffin for Ted? I mean, Family Guy was still huge at the time. I think that's just why. Yeah, I feel like it's the easiest. It's uh, also probably like Ted is definitely the style. That would just draw in a Family Guy audience. Yeah. So having the exact same like voice for only a slightly different personality, it just works for something like this. I personally just think it would have landed a lot better if he just used like Brian's voice, which is closer to his real speaking voice. Because like a lot of the jokes just come from the fact that Ted sounds like <laughs> a fucking like Boston guy. Like that's literally half the jokes of the movie. Actually, in Ted Two, Mark Wahlberg is actually funny. When I think of like when I think of the funniest moments in Ted 2, there's actually some good bits with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah. This is a weird parallel to draw, but the differences in Ted 2 and Ted 
are similar to the differences in Deadpool 2 and Deadpool. Yeah. To where the jokes pretty much are the exact same, but the pacing of everything is a lot better. Okay. I could see that. I like that it turns into a court drama too at the end. I think that's funny. I mean, it's just absurd, all of it. And that's what that's what allows it to thrive in what it is. Cool. Well, I guess Space Jam gets to fight another day. It sounds like you guys are adamant about Ted 2 making number 21. That's exactly where it is. I'm just adamant that Space Jam gets higher. That's fine. Sweet. Uh, so that was my turn to play some movie. Alden, what do you have at 20? I'm going to try Sponge Out of Water. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> if we're gonna have two spongebob movies on our list i think the sponge out of water movie fits this format better it fits this list better to me because like the first spongebob movie has live action sequences they're more toward the end of the movie and i think they're done really really well yeah but sponge out of water kind of does the same thing where like the third act takes place with all of the characters now out of water in cgi superheroes most of the movie is still t traditionally spongebob animated just a little bit higher quality i guess i think i like the execution of it better in the first movie but like in terms of fitting the mold of what you expect from like this subgenre of like family comedies sponge out of water is more of what i'd expect this movie's really weird because i guess i went into the theater expecting the first movie and it's not at all the same like the, just none of it really flows the same way it doesn't have the same humor in most of it it's it's a completely different film but it's not i can't call it bad it definitely fits with probably what kids are are looking for today in a movie rather than what we were looking for in 2004 but i feel like when the movie came out it only got the positive reception that it did because it was better than some of the newer spongebob you compare this movie to any of the first three seasons of spongebob three or four seasons and the spongebob movie it's pretty shit still to me yeah so that's like another thing to be said about this movie is it marks the return of hillenberg right yeah you, you can tell it has his touch on it like in terms of the characters squidward's not like just a torture device for spongebob and patrick crabs is more of a developed character than he was in the later seasons it definitely has that that classic spongebob feel for a part of the movie yeah but at the end of the day you're right it does feel more in line with like the kids movies that were coming out a la smurfs and smurfs too mm -hmm. it feels to be a little bit more at that beat and at that pacing and mostly for that audience as well it's not really for the old head spongebob fans like ourselves exactly i could veto but i don't know there's other movies i want to see on this list but at the same time am i really gonna veto and put chipwrecked <laughs> i have that further up okay then i'm not i do want to see some alvin and the chipmunks uh, love on this list but i'm not gonna veto here there's a little love on my list i yeah i've got i've got two of them and i think one of them's a hot take i got one of them <laughs> <laughs> i mean to be fair having alvin and chipmunks on this list at all is kind of a hot take but still i have the uh or i haven't seen uh the third one and beyond i've only seen the first two so take that with what you will. So I know what you have on your list. Uh, Sponge Out of Water, number 20. Back to you, Josh, with number 19. This might be a bit of a hot take. I have Sonic the Hedgehog here. I have it a little higher, but it's not not worth my veto. I'll use my veto here. Um, Chipwreck doesn't need to get that high. <laughs> <laughs> on my list, there was kind of like... I almost made mine like a tier list where like the bottom five were movies that... I appreciate whether I liked them as a kid or whether, you know, they gave me some sort of entertainment. 
moving into the, like the mid tier. They're movies that I think are good or had potential to be really good and just fell short in a couple of areas. And that's kind of where I have Sonic. And then uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwrecked is like riding that Division Bell line. And I'd rather put that here as kind of like a marker to transition to like the next category, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I, I am going to I'm going to veto your uh, Sonic the Hedgehog here at number 19. And I'm going to nominate Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwrecked. The way I see it, Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwrecked, it has the best out of all of the Chipmunks movies in terms of the music, it's grating, it's horrible, just like all three of them, or all four of them, technically, if you're going to count the road ship, which I don't. I've removed that from the canon. <laughs> but it also has some of the most over-the-top, like, bombastic scenes with uh, with my good friend, David Cross, as Uncle Ian. He's stuck on an island with Jason Lee in a chicken suit, and it's it's very funny. The cast for the, the voices of the chipmunks, I think, are at their heights here. But between Alvin, Simon, and Theodore, along with Eleanor, Jeanette, and Brittany, they're kind of starting their own little factions on this island in the same vein as, like, uh, the Lord of the Flies or whatever. So you, you've got, like, the chipmunks pinned against each other, and they're, they're marooned on this island after going on a cruise where they're, you know, performing their music, and then it gets chipwrecked. Uh, this movie has some of the funniest moments, but it's also... You could tell there's a giant drop-off in quality from what the first two movies were in, in terms of production value. This movie looks like shit. It really does. The animation is not that great. But if you're a fan of these movies, I think that this is the one that you probably like the most. Um, I, I think it has the best moments with the cast. It doesn't take itself seriously at all. There's no like melodramatic, like heartstring-pulling moments. It's straight up the funniest and uh, I would like to see it on this list, sort of in encompassing the entire franchise. That's cool with me. I have it higher just for the meme's sake. I don't actually like any of the Oven and the Chipmunks movies. I think... Uh, but I agree with you that this one is absolutely the best one. And I think what's what other movies on my list have that Sonic doesn't is just time. And I think that's why Sonic is low on my list. Five, ten years from now... I might enjoy Sonic more and it'll go higher. I think we're I think a lot of what makes Sonic interesting for me is kind of where they're going to go from here cuz I I think my opinion on it's definitely going to shift based on what comes next. Yeah, I, I think for what it was, they dropped that trailer and Sonic looked atrocious. It didn't look like it was going to be the movie that long-time Sonic fans were going to care about. And when it was surprisingly like one of the best video game movies ever made, I think it kind of turned some heads, and they redesigned the the main character's animation style and the, the design, and it, it came a long way. I don't think the movie's great, but I do think it was one of the last great blockbusters before the pandemic. I think it won over a lot of people. I, I don't know. I think it was fun. It could have won Best Picture. It should have won. So yeah, Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwrecked at number 19. It's to you, Alden, number 17. Oh, wait, no, number 18, my bad. Yeah, uh, I want to ask opinions on adding another Transformers movie. Because uh, 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 I don't think we need to, but I have Revenge of the Fallen here. Yeah, no, if you wanted to add Bumblebee, maybe, but not Revenge of the Fallen. I have Bumblebee higher on my list. Then I'd nominate something else. Osmosis Jones. That's one of my top tens. Yeah, I figured it might be. I don't remember this movie, like, that well. I get flashbacks a couple times a year just from random scenes from this, and I'm, like, trying to remember where it comes from, and then uh, 
20 minutes later I'll remember it's Osmosis Jones. I, I don't remember this movie that well. I haven't seen it since easily 2004. So Nate, you haven't used the Big Fish Clause, so we can find a movie together you can agree on. You could sway me too. I have Detective Pikachu one spot over Chipwrecked. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I, I mean, we almost had Sonic placed here. I think I think Detective Pikachu fits right about here. It's got a cool environment. It's got a cool world. I think what they did with the design and the, the Pokemon, bringing them to this like semi-realistic kind of Christopher Robin-esque style was a good way to handle that but at the end of the day the story was as by the numbers as it could be and i predicted the twist coming from a mile away it was it was fine it wasn't great i i was really sold on it having that blade runner aesthetic and it it tried it tried yeah yeah it's my 16 It, it didn't make my top 10 or anything i uh yeah it's only a little bit above so i I'm not offended at that either. Even though I guess, according to the draft battle last year, it's, to me, the greatest video game movie of all time. (laughs) Well, do you have a video game movie above it? I think what Detective Pikachu has going that most video game movies didn't have going is that they got the look of the Pokemon themselves perfectly. Like, it looks great. Yeah, there's not a single one that they designed that I'm, like, uh, upset with. Yeah, do I think, like, maybe, like... 2017's Tomb Raider is probably maybe the better movie, yeah. But when it comes to, like, visually, like, Detective Pikachu, like, got it really well. Yeah, Rhyme City looks really cool. Am I, is my big fish clause for Detective Pikachu working here at 18? Yeah, I agree with you. Cool. I'd like to see Osmosis Jones a little bit higher, maybe closer to the top 10. I, I'd like to share my thoughts on that a little bit later. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Who has vetoes left? I think Alden just has a big fish left. Alden's rocking a veto left and a big fish. You and me have used both. Alden's got a lot of power going into the top 15. Don't piss me off. <laughs> Uh, number 17, Alden just went, so I think it's back to you, Josh. I'm gonna go with the original Alvin and the Chipmunks. Better than Chipwrecked? Everything else on my list is too high for this spot. I guess that's a good problem to have. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, like, looking at the rest. Yeah. I don't want to put, like, G-Force here. Uh, please don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like the I like the original Alvin and the Chipmunks. Got my boy Jason Lee in it. Always uh always liked him in Kevin Smith movies, so to have him there with the Chipmunks, that that's a source of entertainment. Like Nate mentioned, um the antagonist of the film is very entertaining. Oh yeah, David Cross's Uncle Ian is like he carries the first Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. Complete tangent, but David Cross was just a host on like a Sirius XM channel a few weeks ago, and it was kind of jarring. Damn, is that where his career is now? Uh, no, he's doing fine. Yeah, he's doing fine. Yeah, I mean, the first album, The Chipmunks, I think is fine. Um, I really like the cartoons and stuff as a kid, and this movie, this movie came out, I think, around 2008, so... Yeah, it was fine for what it was. I think I saw it in theaters. I think I saw the first two Alvin the Chipmunk movies in theaters somehow. I think I did too. I didn't grow up going to the movie theater a lot, but those two movies, I guess, were opening weekend must go for me and my family. (laughs) I saw the first Alvin the Chipmunks theater opening weekend, and I saw Chipwrecked like four years later alone with Trevor in the front row at a sold out house opening (laughs) night, and it fucking rocked. <laughs> it was the first I think it was the first time I saw a movie in theaters and just on un- like like ironically loved every moment of it. Like 
I hated that we were watching that movie because I think we were trying to see like Dark Knight Rises or something. <laughs> I don't. It was something like that. And then uh, <laughs> they they were sold out, so we just were like, "What else is playing?" They're like chipwrecked. We we're like, "Okay." <laughs> and it was like nearly sold out. We were in the front row. They're both they're both uh, completed their trilogies. Yes, they did. But uh, yeah, I have a soft spot for the first Alvin and the Chipmunks. I'm I I have no problems with this. Sweet. So it's my turn at number 16. I have a, a bit of a box office bomb here, an underrated movie in my opinion, a uh, Henry Selleck film that absolutely tanked at the box office, starring Brendan Fraser and Bridget Fonda, called Monkey Bone. Mm. Oh. <laughs> this is a movie that I think uh, gets better with age. I think that uh, John Turturro voicing Monkey Bone is still funny. Uh, it's very out there. It's very much in the same style as something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, definitely a lot more live action elements and the main character being CGI. Um, Monkey Bone. It's uh, it's about Brendan Fraser. He gets in a car crash and uh, in a coma, and then uh, his mischievous uh, like character that he cartoons uh, comes to life. It's uh, it's a horny little monkey that's. Uh, just trying to get laid, and uh, it's definitely not, like, a kid's movie per se, but it has a very explosive energy that I think uh, a lot of people would appreciate now. I think it's it's kind of one of those movies like Freddy Got Fingered, if you're familiar with Tom Green's uh, gigantic movie that bombed as well, where it's got a great comedic cast, there's all these great character actors that show up, you got Bob Odenkirk, Whoopi Goldberg, Dave Foley, a lot of really great comedians make a scene, make a cameo, and there's like good set pieces for a comedy. It's just, I don't think this tonally was the right way. People were expecting, oh, this is the guy who made James and the Giant Peach. This is the guy who made The Nightmare Before Christmas. We're going to try to market this toward like a family audience, and critics tore it apart. It's not really more, it's not really much of a kid's movie, but I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think in the deleted episode of our show that uh, unfortunately got deleted um, due to Craig malfunctioning, Nicholas Worman had this at like number eight in his uh, draft battle of uh, box office bombs, and I thought that was incredibly bold, and I wanted to kind of echo that here again today. Uh, well, we lost Craig, but... Uh, ow. Yeah, I don't have an uh, issue with it. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Not too many people have. Bit of a deep cut. Yeah, I'm still not at the point in the list where I care, so... Yeah, I also had James and the Giant Peach lower on my list. Um, the reason why I went with Monkey Bone over, their same director. I just think James and the Giant Peach was kind of unsettling as a kid, whereas I never saw Monkey Bone as a kid, so I have a higher appreciation for it just watching it as an adult really liking brendan Fraser and seeing him interact with a cartoon monkey was a lot of fun for an hour and a half <laughs> yeah i hated james and the giant peach it's not on my list i think what it does with this medium of being like a live action animation hybrid is really really good i just wasn't smart enough to understand it as a kid uh it really scared me when he like goes into the peach and becomes like stop motion with all like the bugs and stuff, I'm like, yo, this is, this is like scary, and they fight skeletons and go on this big adventure, and I'm like, this is just, everything about it was dark, and uh, I didn't like that. This is kind of more of just a uh, slapstick comedy, very irreverent, very kind of in its own head, and 
Yeah, I, I think I think it lands better. I think a modern audience would appreciate Monkey Bone a lot compared to James and the Giant Peach. True. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've swayed me. I was kind of in the same boat with uh, James and the Giant Peach when I was younger, and I haven't watched it all the way through ever, I don't think. All right, I don't blame you. The ending's dark. Like, the space rhino that killed his family and shit shows back up. I think it's a metaphor for something, and I'm not sure what. <laughs> all right. We are approaching our top 15, and it's Alden's turn here at numero 15. Yeah, the next five for me is a mess. Did we place Christopher Robin? No, that is locked into the top 10 now. Right. Uh, I've got nothing under this that I want here, and... You can say Osmosis Jones again. I won't throw a fit, I promise. (laughs) Will you throw a fit if I say Rocky and Bullwinkle? No. Then I'm saying Rocky and Bullwinkle. It's three places higher for me, but we've placed... Detective Pikachu and Sonic. No, Sonic has not been placed yet. I vetoed to put Chipwrecked. Man, I'm bad at keeping up. I still think Rocky and Bullwinkle should... It's my number 14, so I'm not, uh... Rocky and Bullwinkle is your 14? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have it above Sonic for me, but I kind of want Sonic above it now that I'm thinking about the weird, like, statues they're using for knuckles and tails. (laughs) The stand-in statues... That shit's so cursed. Yeah, Rocky and Bullwinkle at 15. Um, When I was making this list, I showed Meg and mine, and she was like, what is Rocky and Bullwinkle doing down at 22? I was like, Meg, when did you last rewatch this? I watched it two nights ago. And uh, she was like, uh, when I was a kid, but I just remember loving that movie so much. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I loved it as a kid, but when you're working with Rocky and Bullwinkle, it's like, it's kind of like Tom and Jerry, but with like, cold war tensions there's like these russian spies and it's very very weird they they did a good job of bringing it to life in my opinion the fact that they got like a-list cast to play um the uh slapstick trio you got robert de niro as uh as a fearless leader and alexander as uh karen and boris like they went all out yeah yeah so i can't remember who I went with, like, in terms of my family or whatever, but there's, like, Chuck E. Cheese-esque Bullwinkle restaurants or something. Whoa. They currently operate two known locations in the U.S., so whichever one I went to is definitely shut down, because one's in Oregon and one's in Washington. I can barely remember going. I was a very surreal experience, and I've not... I think it scarred me in some way because I can't look at Rocky and Bullwinkle, the movie, the same way. But, I mean, seeing clips just posted on YouTube and whatever, it's still funny. As Rob would say, it's a glorious shitpost of a movie. Three stars. I just saw that. (laughs) Yikes. No, I think the movie has a lot of fun in, in bringing these characters to life. And what Megan brought to my attention was it did it a little bit before everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. It did this right at the year 2000. The only other attempts were pretty much, I mean, that were with mainstream characters that people knew. It was the Looney Tunes and Space Jam and then the couple uh, big characters that cross over and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This was right before this trend really took off. And again, it has A-list potential. There's a lot of great set pieces. Keenan and Kel show up for a little bit. Um, John Goodman has a cameo. Again, uh, you know, Whoopi Goldberg, Billy Crystal. Like, there's some really good, like, comedic moments in this movie. It's kind of... It's kind of like a lot of people, a lot of comics in Hollywood, like, came together and they're like, we love Rocky and Bullwinkle, let's, like, turn it into a movie, and it's not great, but it's it's better 
than you would think it, it would be. I find it entertaining. I It's very nostalgic for me, though. I didn't go back to rewatch it. I was kind of afraid to. I kind of want to just... I'm not ever rewatching this. For this list, I kind of just wanted to like have a nice memory of it, because I have no idea how it's it's gone. By the sound of it, if it's that low on your list, Nate, then yeah. Well, no, it's it actually, Megan persuaded me to put it into my top 10. It's right at number 10. Oh. True. Oh, okay. One thing that I think is really, really unique, um, they got the original voice actress for Rocky and the uh, original voice actor for Bullwinkle to, retur- to reprise their roles right at the turn of the millennium. You can tell that these are the original people who are voicing the characters in the 60s. They, uh, they, they play them better than you could get celebrities to voice them now. And I guess that's kind of my biggest problem with this trend is it soon became what celebrity voices can we get to do these like favorite cartoon characters I think it really should just be voice actors or people who can imitate the original voice actors when it comes to your Garfields or your Sonics and things like that. I completely agree. And Rocky and Bullwinkle does that right, surprisingly, and then has great comedic set pieces, and it's a road trip movie. I see why this could have been in Nicholas Rorman's top 10. (laughs) But number 15, I am content with. I'd like to see that Rocky Bullwinkle made the list. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I've got a really weird experience with Rocky and Bullwinkle just in general, not just this movie. Sweet. Uh, we're back to you, Josh. Number 14. Uh, might get a little hot takey here. I got Bumblebee. Man. Sonic's getting high. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't argue because it won't make the list if I if I do something now. I really like Bumblebee. Uh, I mean... I really like Bumblebee. You got John Cena as the villain. Of course it was going to be pretty high on my list. But uh, I really like that scene where, like, I don't know, he's just, like, very stereotypical. Like, he feels like a G.I. Joe villain. He definitely fits the character really well. I totally buy the origin of Bumblebee. I I think it all works out fine. Uh, Yeah, it's the best Transformers movie so far. A lot of the designs and the, the sound mixing is very much like the 80s cartoon, which I really appreciate. Um, Yeah, it's it's a dope movie, but... When it comes to this kind of list, it doesn't belong in the top 10 for me. I could definitely see that too. I uh, I think that Bumblebee has a lot of fun in being like an E.T. ripoff. Like it kind of embraces that a little bit. It sets it back in the 80s. I like that they made Bumblebee a beetle again and not a fucking Camaro. Yeah. yeah. That did a lot for me personally. Um, I really like Haley Steinfeld in the lead. I think she really proved that she could kind of carry a blockbuster. I mean, really early in her career. I agree. She does True Grit, which was a Coen Brothers-directed Western, and knocked it out of the park. And then we saw her in coming-of-age dramas and drama comedies like Edge of Seventeen, and she was holding her own. But to see her in like a blockbuster, it kind of did what I wanted Transformers to do after Shia LaBeouf left, and that's place... A young female in the late in like the lead role and like let's have a less dude bro kind of like sexist approach to these kids movies if that makes any sense and this movie's pretty tasteful uh you can tell that it has some touches of fun and it has a lot of charm but it's not a masterpiece it's a good it's a good blockbuster i think that they would have done a lot better with this movie if it didn't come out around christmas time and instead came out in the summer i agree and i i believe the fact that it came out same time as Aquaman definitely didn't help. Yeah, I, I don't know what their box office projections were for this movie, but I have to think they kind of somewhat underperformed compared to the main series, the five uh, Transformers movies before then, which were all yeah yeah approaching a billion dollars. This one definitely scaled it back a little, but it also, you know, new director in the fold, new tone. 
John Cena's fine as the antagonist. He's kind of a meme. So Bumblebee, 14. Sweet. It is back to me. And I don't know if I should choose Chaos, go with a hot take, or if I play it safe and finally play Sonic here at 13. (laughs) I think I kind of want to elevate one more childhood favorite that may not make the list at this point. I'm going to put the 1995 Casper movie here at 13. Oh, boy. I think this movie gets a lot of hate, but I think it's a pretty sweet movie, and uh, I think it does just about everything right. Did the whole let's have a like a character from old, you know, cartoons come into the real world. They got they got Wednesday Adams to play the main character. <laughs> they have Bill Pullman as the dad. Like it, it's it's a pretty pretty sweet little movie. It's nothing crazy. It, it's it plays it safe. I think the like the thing that people always riff about is like tonally it's a little weird cuz like the girl's mom just died and she befriends a ghost but it's like whatever it's got sweet moments and it's one of those one of the few movies here where it feels like they were able to uh, like target like a female audience like i feel like looking at these it's a lot of like characters that like little like little kids like like little boys liked in terms of i mean Alvin and the Chipmunks the Looney Tunes Garfield a lot of these main staple ones just kind of feel like more masculine properties and Casper the Friendly Ghost, the way they portray him in this film, he's he's sweet, he's charming, and he's he's friendly. He wants to take her to reenact Cinderella and he's gotta get home before midnight. It's it's cute. It's it's wholesome. There's nothing about this that really has aged particularly well, but I think Casper himself as a CGI creature, for being nineteen ninety five and this movie not having that high of a budget. It's held up pretty well. You can transparently see through him. It, the design was there. The way that they light the scenes really elevates the uh, the limited effects budget that they had. I, uh, I'd like to see them kind of take another crack at Casper, if I'm being honest. I think there's definitely a lot of potential there. And the character dates all the way back to, like, the... 30s i think with felix the cat so he's been around for a long time that's the thing about casper though is that the content after this movie i liked a whole lot more than this movie so this movie was always really weird to me it was just like it's not it's not a movie that came out like that like far away from when we were born but also it always felt like oh that's the old like casper movie but i like i like kind of liked what was coming out when i was growing up when it came to casper I feel that. I just really like the content that was releasing at the time when it came to, like, the animated stuff. I think there was a Christmas movie that came out or something. Yeah, Casper's Haunted Christmas. I remember that one being on Cartoon Network a lot. And then there was Casper's Scare School, which... Yes. I think was originally a Halloween special and then became an animated series briefly as well. So, yeah, the movie didn't make my list, but uh, I could see... I mean, I could see why it has a fan base, and it introduced... It introduced a character that's been around since the 30s, like you said, to a whole new audience. So without this movie, I wouldn't have become a fan of Casper, even though I don't really care for the movie itself. Most notably, its sequel, the uh, it was like the debut role for uh, Hilary Duff, uh, Casper and Wendy. I, I mean, I had an older sister, so these VHSs were just constant circulation in my house. I remember watching them all the time. I think that one's probably more remembered by, like, fans. But, yeah, it, it has, like, a little bit of that, like, um, hocus-pocus energy, too, because she's got three aunts that are older witches, and Casper's got his three uncles that are older ghosts. Like, there's, there's like, a different comedic dynamic there that I think worked for a lot of people. 
Um, but I just found this movie to be really sweet, and I wanted to elevate it because I think it's aged pretty well for being what it is. Anyway, uh, Alden's got a veto and a big fish clause. If I'm wrong, I'm I'm cool with that too. If there's something else you guys want here, Josh, throw me something. No, I'm fine if Nate wants to elevate that movie. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I just I don't know what else to place. This is such a weird. Uh... So far, everything in my top ten except for Garfield Tale of Two Kitties, is there. Uh, yeah, I'm only missing Bumblebee. Yeesh. All right, so Casper, number 13. We got 12 spots left. Three of them are filled with locks. We've got SpongeBob SquarePants, the movie, Christopher Robin, and Enchanted that still have to be placed. With that being said, I believe it's your turn, Alden, with number 12. Yeah, Sonic. Sweet. Sonic the Hedgehog at number 12? I, uh, I had it at number 13 personally. I'm uh, happy to see it make the list. I think it does a lot right, like we were saying earlier, as a, as a video game movie. I think it's great that they took like the backlash that they got when that first trailer dropped and actually like put a little bit more care into the design and the atmosphere. Put two million more dollars into it. I think it was way more than two. That's what they originally announced was two, and then they spent like four months longer than expected. So yes, I'm going to agree with you, but that's what they said. Yeah, I think it was closer to $40 million on box office mojo of what they announced the uh, post-production budget, which... That's funny. (laughs) That's a lot of extra money to spend on a movie, but they made their money back. And I think like the fact that they sequel bait at the end, that we're going to see more of Sonic the Hedgehog. I kind of want to see more of like Sonic's world. As weird as that sounds, I think the opening scene of this movie is really cool. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I would love to see them, you know, maybe bring Jim Carrey and, if you have to, James Marsden into into Sonic's world for the sequel. I'd like to see more of the beloved characters. I am all for James Mar- Marsden randomly showing up at, like, Green Hills or whatever the level's called. Yeah, Green Hill Zone. <laughs> 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 He's like driving like the Ford pickup truck in Green Hill Zone. <laughs> yeah, James Mars in Green Hill Zone make it happen. I I can guarantee it's happening. So we know we're getting Tails for sure in the sequel. I'm sure we're gonna get Knuckles as well. There's no way they'd have that stand in if Knuckles wasn't gonna be there. Do you think Big the Cat is showing up in Sonic 2? <laughs> 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 I think that's a Sonic 3 kind of thing. <laughs> we're, we're probably going to get Shadow at some point. Who do you think should voice Shadow? Um, Hear me out. I'm hearing you out. Keanu Reeves. I think that would be the pick, but I don't know if that's who I want to voice Shadow. It's got to be somebody with a very, like, deep voice that can also, like... It's also got to be, like, I feel like a, like bigger star or a big star it would be it, w- it definitely would be but i my pick if i were directing the movie i'd choose sean Shemmel, who's known for doing um goku and lucario he does like the smash brothers games uh voiceover for lucario and uh, he does a lot of anime dubbing in english and uh, i think he'd be a great great choice because he's kind of got that same like dark energy that you'd get from the like the voice from the Sonic Adventure games, and that's kind of where Shadow became a thing. Uh, he wasn't so much in the platformers beforehand, um, but they'll probably go with the celebrity. I don't think Keanu Reeves would be the worst choice. Yeah, Shadow kind of being an anti-hero, they could definitely get away with someone as likable as him playing the character. Yeah, I, I don't. That wouldn't be a horrible choice. He's got the he's got the deepness definitely to voice Shadow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
I just think there needs to be a lot of respect given to the voice actors that made those characters popular in the first place. And, I I mean, if the character doesn't... You don't see the actor's face. Like, it's not like a... Uh, it's not like a Scooby-Doo moment where, like, oh, you know, Matthew Lillard can play Shaggy, or at least he could have back in the day, but he also, he nails the voice. You know, you don't actually see the person, so at the end of the day, you're really just trying to sell someone's voice, and I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a thing with animated movies and these live-action animated hybrid movies. I'd rather just stick with a good voice actor and someone who has that vocal range to really make that character come to life. Yeah, I completely agree. Because I feel like when they do celebrity voices, it sometimes falls flat because it's like they're leaning a little too much into that person's persona and you're not really hearing that, that character, that beloved character. But, I mean, who knows? They, they could do whatever they wanted. I think Keanu Reeves would actually be a pretty good choice. I do have a pick that I think would be funny. What's that? I'd like to see Keith David as Shadow. That would be fucking dope, actually. And he did really good in uh, Josh's second favorite animated movie of all time, Princess and the Frog, as uh, Dr. Whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any more voice work for Keith David, I'm all for, actually. I, I would like that more than Keanu Reeves. I really like Keith David, and I think... Uh, voicing shadow in a movie like that would be pretty sick yeah that'd be cool make it happen please all right we are slowly approaching that top 10 there is one spot left josh that is not in the top 10 number 11 what are you placing here i don't have to cause as much chaos as i thought because spongebob the movie was your lock right alden mm -hmm. yes that was my number 11 on the list but i'm going with a movie that is one spot lower. Pixar's Wally. Man, I really wish I cared. <laughs> it's my number ten. Like I don't, I don't know if that's worth a veto or a big fish clause. It's weird talking about a Pixar film a year later after our Pixar video. I like, I like Wally. I do. I genuinely like that movie a lot. But I think I said it in that recording. The first forty minutes are the best part of that movie by a lot, and then it just kind of slowly dissipates into getting us back around full circle going back to earth going back going back to that famous pixar episode though i kind of wish that i put wally at that number 11 spot that famously toy story went there looking back on it <laughs> i wouldn't want it any other way <laughs> i know it became iconic but looking back on it i was like Man, I should have vetoed for Wally instead of Up. The more I thought, think about it. I don't know. I have no regrets on that episode. The only reason Wally didn't make my list is, although there are live action segments, um, it doesn't really feel like in that same breed as like most of the movies we're talking about. For me, I included it on like our master list just as something to pull through because it really does a good job of of blending those scenes pretty seamlessly into the movie. Uh, I think Fred Willard's the main guy who is uh, the BNL CEO, who is, uh, I think his name's like something, something funny, Forthright, I think is his name. And so he's like the, he's like the leader of Amazon or Walmart or whatever they were poking fun at at the time. And uh, he's like telling them that they have to like leave Earth, like, hey, our, our space cruise is like the way to go. And it's broken messages between that. But then you see like the disintegration of the captains over time. And there's like uh, the first few captains were like real people and they slowly morphed into these CGI blob like humans. And uh, I think that's I think that's fun. It's a cool way to introduce it. And I think like Pixar's commentary on this was very much in the same vein as something like uh, like Avatar, where it's like, hey, this is our planet. We've got to treat it with respect. And 
you know, that probably fell on deaf ears, but it did a better job than Al Gore's two documentaries, An Unfortunate Truth and An Unfortunate Sequel. <laughs> I think Wally as a movie is easily top 10 for this list, so I'm happy to see it here if, we, if we're sticking with it. I think the quality's great, but Alden does have a veto left. Oh, I'd like to see it in top 10. Oh. oh, oh boy! Really? Okay. <laughs> I just I don't know what else to place. Like I don't. Well, we could talk about what we're leaving out of our top ten. Like since this is the last spot, uh, you want me to rattle off movies that, ha- that I have placed that haven't made the cut yet? Can I say a movie actually? If you're gonna do it, because this is at my number fifth. This is my number fifteen, and I didn't think it was gonna make the list, but maybe this is the opportunity to do it. But also. Thomas the Tank Engine and the Magic Rail Yard could go at number 11. What about Space Jam? How about Thomas the Tank Engine and the Magic Rail Yard? Oh my god. What about Paddington 1? Paddington 1. Let's do it. Paddington 1, number 11. Have we all seen Paddington except for Nate? No, I haven't seen Paddington at all. I haven't either. (laughs) I've seen both Paddingtons. I'm a man of the people. (laughs) (laughs) You're a man of the UK. (laughs) He likes marmalade, damn it. He's holding so is thomas the tank engine not making the list at all i don't think so we could put thomas the tank engine here instead of paddington one is Stuart little making the list though i have to ask no i hate Stuart little with a passion Stuart little definitely isn't making this list (laughs) those parents chose a rat to adopt but he's cute and he's voiced by michael j fox you can get a rat at a pet store house plays the dad dude come on (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) i forgot i hate that movie so much i forgot everyone else in it oh thomas in the magic rail yard is alec baldwin it's got mike from red letter media (laughs) it's got another academy award nominated actor doesn't it peter fonda i believe peter fonda's in this movie yeah like three-time academy award winning actor peter fonda (laughs) i had so many toys and stuff from this movie this movie was a huge part it was a movie that i had on repeat the the villain train scared me as a kid he was like the train version of doc ock yeah this movie's fun it's way too high on the list because I forgot about it, but I would like to see it on the list. I don't even know what this movie is. Let me look at it. <laughs> Damn, did you have a childhood? Like, I know I didn't watch Spongebob as a kid, but Thomas the Tank Engine. I watched the show. I don't know in the Magic Railroad. You might have thought it was an episode of the show because, like, I mean, quality-wise, it's... Maybe, maybe. I mean, I guess quality-wise, it does get higher, actually. You got Mara Wilson in there. You got Matilda, bro. I don't know what I expected looking at screen cap of the movie it it is just the show the villain was pretty scary yeah it was he had like that giant crane he was trying to kill thomas and his friends it really kind of scared me as a kid more more so than it should have i'm looking at a toy set and i do vaguely remember this yeah i definitely had a had toys of the trains from the movie i don't care yeah sure that that's a number 11 (laughs) thomas and the magic railroad number 11 You did it, Thomas. What a magic turn of events this was. So here we are. We're in the top 10 now. And uh, we have three locks that need to get placed somewhere in this top 10. I have a, quite a few movies left, too. So uh, this should should get spicy. What was that number 11 that we just saved? That Alden just saved? Wally. Oh, Wally number 10. Well, for me personally, I have Christopher Robin below Wally. Christopher Robin's my number 9. I have Christopher Robin at 9 as well. But is it above or below Wally? I, Wally didn't make my list. <laughs> and Wally was my number 12, actually. <laughs> then I guess Wally will be 10. Wally. 
Wally is my 10. Oh, perfect. So now we're rocking... Christopher Robin at 9. Christopher Robin. <laughs> I want to talk about Christopher Robin a bit, though. I think it... Oh, yeah. I think it was a really, really wholesome, sweet little movie. I Didn't we see it in theaters together in college? Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was wholesome. Yeah, it was a good little movie. I was a big fan of Winnie the Pooh and all of, like, the... We got, like, a resurgence of Winnie the Pooh when we were kids, too, because they played reruns of both the shows that he had on Disney Channel when we were kids on Toon Disney. And then they also made, like, uh, the Tigger movie, Piglet's Big Adventure. There were probably four or five uh, animated Winnie the Pooh movies that came out when we were kids. So I remember growing up with the books and with, like, the, the show and... They got Jim Cummings back to play Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, who he did both all through that period of time and the 60s, the original run of the show. I, I think it was a wholesome little story. I thought Ewan McGregor as a grown-up Christopher Robin was nice. I was hoping for a little bit more from this movie, and that's probably just me. I was hoping it'd be more of like a Finding Neverland type situation where you got into the emotional like reasoning behind this story, but... We didn't really get that. We kind of just got one last great adventure with Christopher Robin. And I loved the designs of all the characters, how they looked like like felt plushies. Like they felt like, to like toys. Um, and the animation was beautiful. I agree with all that. Um, I think it's actually like underrated because I, I don't know if the movie even like made a profit or anything. But I don't remember quite a, quite a lot of people talking about it. For a lot of people, it was one of their favorite movies of the year. The people actually did see it. And um, it's weird because, like, I feel like it kind of missed that connection with the audience because we grew up with, like, a Winnie the Pooh resurgence. But Winnie the Pooh is also a property that... I don't know how to explain it, but it's, like... I guess much like Christopher Robin. It's, like, it's a property that, like... No matter what age you are, you're gonna go see a Star Wars movie. But... Even if you grew up with, like, Winnie the Pooh, if a new Winnie the Pooh movie comes out, you're not going to be like, oh, I have to go see this movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel that. That's why I think maybe Christopher Robin um, didn't reach that popularity that Disney maybe thought. I think it's going to go down as one of the more underrated Disney movies of this era, um, especially if you do compare it to the live-action, I guess, remakes of you got your Corella, you got your Jungle Book. And if you want to throw Christopher Robin in there, it's one of the best. Yeah, I think that'll make a great episode when the next, like, true remake comes out. I'm trying to think of what, what's next. I know they just announced the cast for Snow White. Yeah. Which is uh, interesting. I uh, don't really have any opinions on it because, again, it's going to all come down to tone and where they're taking that story. I think the next one is uh, Little Mermaid, actually. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> if it's anything like Lion King and Aladdin, that's going to fucking suck. <laughs> Are they using James Cameron's underwater technology to make this? James Cameron's going to complain about the water. <laughs> I'm already complaining about the water. Totally think you're right. I think Christopher Robin, if you're comparing it with the Disney movies of this era, live action remakes and, and reboots of, of these beloved Disney icons, I think that... This was a great way to do Winnie the Pooh. I doubt we'll see like a sequel or a follow-up to this movie in any capacity, but this was this was a really wholesome surprise. I think, depending on how it ages, it could go higher on my list, personally. I'm glad I made the top ten, though. Um, well, I'm just going to say what I have at number eight. I have Osmosis Jones here. I don't know if there's a campaign to get that any higher. Uh, we also have two more movies that have been locked that need to be placed, being the first SpongeBob SquarePants movie and Enchanted. That's where I'm at. 
Yeah, SpongeBob was my number 11, so it could go here for me. Nah, Osmosis Jones can go here. Space Jam could also go here if you'd like. Oh yeah, you guys really want Space Jam on this list still. I don't think that can go too much higher. Space Jam's my number 7, so it could... It could go at eight. <laughs> it's at eight for me. It's uh number 21 on my list. Sheesh. All right, then Space Jam for eight. Let me talk about the Michael Jordan's The Last Dance documentary just came out on Netflix this past year, and they kind of touched on the making of Space Jam that <laughs> it was in the middle of this weird time for Michael Jordan's career where he retired from basketball, decided to do baseball after um his father always wanted to play baseball, and his father passed away tragically and um he decided to do baseball for a year and of course eventually went back to the bulls and won three more titles i think this movie has a certain charm to it i think there's a reason why we're getting a sequel in 2021 that people do really like this movie and i do have a nostalgia connection to it it's i don't think it's the best looney tunes movie of this like live action animation hybrid era as we've known from this as we'll know later on this list but it's the most popular and I think it deserves a place on this because um, Howard was able to... Only this, only a movie like this could have been made at this time. You had the biggest athlete in the world teaming up with... Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny, who, like, I want to say was the biggest cartoon at that time, but I know it wasn't. This kind of brought the Looney Tunes back into popularity. And I think this movie is very important because Looney Tunes back in action, a movie we'll talk about later, without Space Jam... We wouldn't have that movie, and at least, even if Space Jam 2 completely sucks with LeBron, at least, like, the Looney Tunes are back in the, are back in, like, mainstream popularity, because Looney Tunes are awesome. They're very popular, but still underrated at the same time, because when you think of cartoons, you think of, like, your Mickey Mouse, your SpongeBob, Bugs Bunny is kind of, like, that third one you think of, third or fourth one you think of. I don't know, Space Jam's, I don't want to use that word, but it's the word of the movie, but it's legacy. I think itself deserves to be in the top 10. I definitely agree. I know I'm a bit of a Space Jam naysayer. I think what really works for the movie with me is like who they bring on as like live action characters. Wayne Knight is hilarious as like Michael Jordan's PA. He's just like following him around as his personal assistant. You get some good Newman moments in there. Uh, Bill Murray's very funny where he just kind of shows up in this movie for some reason. <laughs> um, and it, it's great. I really like the scene where the uh, the goons, whatever, the fucking aliens try to steal the, the NBA All-Stars, like, power and like they have the magic basketball and it like drains their soul it's it's very funny the hospital scene where they're like we don't know what's going on with them they, they can't play basketball anymore it's 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 there's there's definitely some fun moments and yeah it's one of those movies that i mean millennials grew up with with space jam i mean it's probably how a lot of them got introduced to the looney tunes and it, having that staying power and, and bringing the looney tunes back in the forefront is exactly what space Sham was intended to do and you're right they hit this really awkward lull in michael jordan's career where this movie could be made it was a huge blockbuster yeah and i don't think that was lightning in a bottle situation and lightning in a bottle timing and it's also a little bit like poking fun at michael jordan too yeah it's like with the baseball scene he like strikes out like he sucks <laughs> and uh you know i feel like that kind of self self-awareness Space Jam brought Michael back to the NBA. Prove me wrong. I mean, I mean, Looney Tunes was kind of gone 20 years prior to this movie coming out. Like, they were around, they showed up in things, but Space Jam showed up, 
and we've had like seven different Looney Tunes shows since. I mean, Tiny Toons was really popular on TV at the same time that this came out. You got to give a little bit more credit to Warner Brothers. The Toons weren't dead. They had their reruns on Saturday mornings still before all the other cartoons started playing. That The Looney Tunes were still relevant, but they weren't major blockbuster movie in the like the the media zeitgeist they weren't a trend it was just something that was still there that warner brothers was still kind of pushing out tiny tunes is a pretty popular show the animaniacs i mean oh uh, yeah animaniacs was a big one speaking of which they brought animaniacs back did anyone watch that no yeah, i was about to say i don't think anyone did i uh i did i thought it was pretty good i thought it was worth signing into hulu for <laughs> signing into alden tulu for and not giving me ads <laughs> change your password would do that change my password i can just remove your xbox <laughs> all right space jam number eight yeah that's cool uh-oh something's getting left out yeah if my math serves me right one of my movies is no longer making the list but that's okay yeah i think me too i don't know how this is gonna go i really don't we still have two locks that need to be placed we've got spongebob squarepants the movie and enchanted at number seven for me i have the cat in the hat we've already sang the praises of this movie in our dr seuss episode so if you haven't already check that out we got our friend michael from the uk with movies and milk and we kind of sang its praises in that episode quite a bit um it counts by having the fish <laughs> in in the movie it's all live action for the most part i was trying to figure out why it counted because <laughs> it's my number six on the list actually so i'm cool with one of the locks go here <laughs> yeah i uh i don't really want enchanted here i feel like that would be a big missed opportunity no i want enchanted to be higher yeah I'd be okay with SpongeBob SquarePants the movie being here just cuz that incorporation from animation to live action is not very seamless. It's it's effective in the terms of that movie, but it's kind of like Cat in the Hat here where it's like it counts, but is it really in that same vein of everything else that we're talking about? Kind of like Wall-E. I don't know. I have the SpongeBob movie a few spots higher than here, and I think there are two movies where one of them should go here i don't know i would like to propose the first scooby-doo here rather than the spongebob movie i feel like that's a little low i mean well we're at number seven never mind never mind yeah i mean this one this one's fantastic but like the antagonist being scrappy kind of just sucks i love the incorporation of scrappy as the villain i think it's one of the strongest things the movie brings to the table yeah but buff scrappy like spooky island in that atmosphere and then uh sugar ray performing a song like my my third favorite thing in this movie is <laughs> is the reveal of scrappy being the villain because like earlier they reminisce on <laughs> i remember when we had scrappy with us and you think it's just like a throwaway scene but it, it comes full circle at the end and it's it's fun again the casting for the first scooby-doo movie is fucking fantastic they knock it out of the park it, the, my only problem is like the voice of Scooby-Doo's not that great. Scooby's the worst part of the movie. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there. I just, I don't, I don't like this one nearly as much as Monsters Unleashed. Uh, I'm in the same vein. Monsters Unleashed is top three on this list. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh is muted, so uh, we'll, we'll get to his opinion later. Uh, one movie that I have that's yet to be placed as well, Osmosis Jones, I had at eight. If I had to get rid of something that's in my top ten, I'd be okay with it at this point. It seems like uh, I'm the only one who shares a lot of love for the Osmosis Jones movie. I think it's fun. I love the way the live action and the uh, animated scenes are kind of uh, suggested where you've got the live action scenes with like Bill Murray and his daughter and she's like worried about his health. And then the whole movie takes place inside of him with Chris Rock and Lawrence Fishburne in this animated buddy cop movie trying to solve the disease, fix the virus that's in his body. And it's it's played like a like a noir. It's got like a, the same beat for beat structure as a detective movie and i think that's a lot of fun it's uh it's not a masterpiece by any means but it it does what these other movies do well uh in terms of balancing the animation and the cartoons with live action footage and that's why the movie has two directors they directed the live action stuff separately from the animated stuff and i think that works really really well Better than most other movies. Cam, okay, back. What were we at? We're still at seven. Uh, Alden suggested we place the first Scooby-Doo movie here. Whoa. And uh, I was kind of singing the praises of Osmosis Jones, saying that, you know, if something had to go for my top ten, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I wish I'd checked out the movie before. I didn't realize how high it would be on your list. But the first Scooby-Doo movie, no, 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 no. It's a little higher on my list. So I think my problem... Well, it's not really a problem, but the reason I don't have Osmosis Jones so high is because I, I'm pretty sure I've only seen it one and a half times. The first time I ever saw this, I definitely rented like a VHS or something or a DVD from a library and I returned it and only watched it once. And then I think I caught the end of it again when it aired probably a year or two later and whatever channel it's one of those movies i grew up watching pretty frequently but i think it's kind of one of those that's lost to time i think it has a great idea but it it never really landed as like a marketing thing like i think there was at one point a spinoff show on cartoon network and of course they couldn't afford crit they couldn't afford chris rock and lawrence fishburne to voice the characters so it just didn't continue on well it's still got phil lamar I'm just looking at it now, and I think this is what I remember more so than the movie, and that's also not helping. Are we just sacrificing Osmosis Jones from the entire list is what's happening? It sounds like it. It doesn't sound like anyone else has it on in their top ten or on their list, so... It's on my list, but it's not in my top ten. I'd be okay with it going. We'll give it a very significant honorable mention. <laughs> Alright, we'll put it at an honorable mention spot underneath Michael Bay's TMNT. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Anyway, moving forward, uh, Alden suggests Scooby-Doo. I'd be okay with the SpongeBob movie here. Again, it doesn't really have too much live-action stuff. The, the Shell City scene makes me... It's its the heartstring-pulling moment of that movie. I choke up every time. And then d them riding David Hasselhoff back into the ocean is great. But that's really the only part <laughs> of it that's live-action. And I think the show actually does a better job of incorporating live-action in, in cartoons with uh, Patchy the Pirate and all of that stuff. More so than the movie. Yeah. Even the Doodle Bob episode with the artist guy and he drops his pencil and that's how that whole episode starts. Like, SpongeBob was built on combining live action and animated segments and I kind of want more live action from the movie, but I don't want Sponge out of water. So it's like this really thin line that needs to be written where I like it as a framing device. Like, if the SpongeBob movie had the structure of Osmosis Jones, 
in a list like this, it would probably be top three for me, but it doesn't. That's kind of all in the climax. It's all at the end of the movie, and it's how the it's how the characters get home. It serves the the Hasselhoff thing serves the same motif as like the Eagles at the end of uh, Return of the King. It's just a little like oh, got to get the characters back to Plankton and the Krusty Krab. I think I really hated on the SpongeBob movie in our Nickelodeon episode, so I don't want to go too deep into that. But there, are, I do really enjoy the SpongeBob movie. It's got a fun video game connection too, as when we talked about it in the video game episode. But um, the reason why I didn't have the reason why I didn't make my top ten is because I agree with everything you said, Nate, and I also think like the humor's there. It's peak SpongeBob, but also like movies like the Lego Movie and Scooby Doo Two, Scooby Doo One, even like take those things and really elevate of what this I guess subgenre is. And the SpongeBob Movie's a great SpongeBob movie, but like Nate said, it didn't take those live action I guess hybrids. Like I don't know, it's just there. Like, you could literally make that all 2D animated and you would get the same effect from it. Uh, you would not get the same effect, but I know what you're talking about. I would just like to point out, your live-action, like, screen time from the Lego movie is around the same as you get in Shell City. Like, it doesn't matter how little it is in this movie. We have the cat in the hat still sitting up here somewhere. Yeah, I don't have Lego movie on this list. Whoa. But Lego Movie's in my top five. Yes, Lego Movie is also in my top five. I think Lego Movie is so fun. We haven't been basing, like, on, uh, we haven't regularly been basing our picks and our, our placements based on what they do with this medium. It's it's based on the movies themselves, so I don't want to, like... I mean, it's dual of the takes. We don't, we don't have a rule when it comes to basing rankings. <laughs> yeah, no, what I'm saying is, like, I don't want to count that... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to count that against this movie when it hasn't really been a, anything in the any other part of the list. All right, I feel that. I, I don't. I don't think that's a negative to put towards it. I'd also like to point out that the prop they used for the Hasselhoff boat went up for auction and nobody knows how much it sold for but the bidding started at a hundred thousand i think it sold for three hundred eighty thousand. i think it was disclosed in a reddit forum by the guy who bought it and it was pretty fucking funny the q a that dropped i think he was like i just bought the uh the david hasselhoff prop and he had like a like a picture of it in like a storage unit he was like i spent three hundred eighty thousand dollars on a, a model of david hasselhoff's body ask me anything and it was it was quite the thread <laughs> That's crazy. I love it. We gotta make a decision so we can move on. Um, yes. Now that you've thrown that Lego movie in there, though... I'm not throwing it down. I mean... I'm just saying, I'm using that as a comparison for you saying that the, the live-action elements in this movie weren't very much, like... But the live-action elements in the Lego movie, like... Like tie the whole movie into a really nice bow and, like... It's kind of the thesis of the movie. It's a great scene. Like, the Spongebob movie has, like, really good scenes, but, like, the Lego movie, like, like just for story and script-wise, that scene is awesome. Everything is awesome. It's the Lego movie. The Lego movie's not even on Nate's list, but I want to see it in the top ten because I think it's one of the best animated movies of the past decade. It's not on your list? I, I mean, it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, the amount of screen time of live action with the amount of screen time that's animated, it... It feels like a crossover, but 
it it really like it's in the same vein as like cat in the hat for me where it's like this counts but like with the caveat and that's kind of what i built my list on so we don't need to build our list on that same factor but it's the reason why like the spongebob movie also didn't make my list if i was just doing this list based off of the movies that were there and how much i enjoyed them yeah lego movie would have been top five yes spongebob movie probably would have been top 10 top 15 so that's just kind of how I'm going about it. Cat in the Hat was like my little guilty pleasure. I'm sneaking this one in there. and it. Yeah, same. Yeah. It's at number seven. I'm not going to die if it doesn't make this list. I really am not. Cat in the Hat and Osmosis Jones can both go. I'd like to see either... Uh, I personally would like to see either SpongeBob or the Lego movie go here at seven. But it's your guys' list. The first Scooby-Doo movie was also nominated here. I think that's a fitting film as well. Yeah, I mean, we both want the Lego movie higher, and I want SpongeBob higher. Listen, I got Cat in the Hat in my number six. I have a, I have it right there with you, Nate. I think we just compromised and put Cat in the Hat here. That's even worse for my list. Yeah, but I'm running out of spots. <laughs> if both Lego movie and SpongeBob are here, I have a uh, five movies that are also not. There have six six movies that are not either one of those that are in my top six if that makes sense i have five outside of those damn what am i missing here on my list i my list is still pretty intact i've got paddington 2 in my top five oh, i guess i'm the only one who saw paddington 2 i'm already come to terms <laughs> with the fact that that movie's getting cut i'm i'm already come to terms with Paddington Two. the fucking 100 percent on rotten tomatoes isn't making this list so that's where I'm at with you guys. I just wanted to communicate that effectively. What lesson? Paddington 2 will also be another Kino honorable mention. Yeah, right down there with Osmosis Jones. I get it. Is Cat in the Hat facing that same fate? I think it is. <laughs> no, I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be. Okay, then Cat in the Hat is going here at number seven. Oh my god, whatever, that's fine. Number six. Uh, this is where I have the first Scooby-Doo movie. What do you guys have at number six? Sheesh. Um, the first Scooby-Doo movie one place behind this at my number six is Looney Tunes Back in Action, which I feel like might be a hot take with this group. I had the cat in the hat at my number six, so my number five was Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. I think we're going to have a fight here for the Scooby-Doo's then. Both Scooby-Doo movies were in my top five, so me and Nate are ha have matching tattoos on our chest. <laughs> Dude, that is one of the worst tattoos I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> I think it's a great tattoo, but... I think between Scooby-Doo 1 and Scooby-Doo 2, the reason why I give the edge to Scooby-Doo 2 to me is it feels more like a celebration of mystery incorporated as a gang scooby-doo the first one starts off with them fighting like they all go their own ways and i i like that for the purpose of that movie after they uh they fail to catch the the floating ghost or they do so but then they all fight it's one of those things where the, the tension they get brought back together in solving a mystery and where scooby-doo 2 goes is a lot more of like what i was expecting and it's a lot more on brand plus it's got leather velma it's <laughs> it's got a lot of great moments it's got seth green who everyone thinks is like the red herring antagonist of the movie and uh i i love the reveal at the end that alicia silverstone's character was behind it all and she was actually the guy who escaped from prison as the pterodactyl ghost you get an entire rogues gallery of scooby-doo villains as opposed to just these new cgi ones that i don't really like and Scrappy's behind it all. Like, I kind of agree with Alden in that Scrappy's a little lackluster as a villain compared to where we get with Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. I feel like we get more of the gang together in Scooby-Doo 2, and that's really what I was, like, 
anticipating in the first Scooby-Doo movie. I think they're both masterpieces. They could be married, in my opinion, and they're they're equals. Because Scooby-Doo 1 has better atmosphere and it has, I think, a better script. But Scooby, Scooby-Doo 2 has better moments and all around just more of what I was hoping to see in the first one. You know, we might run into a situation where we do have to put them together. So in that case... I'm cool with the Lego movie goes here. I'm so confused. Yeah, Lego and SpongeBob still need to be placed. Wait, SpongeBob hasn't been placed? Wait, time out. SpongeBob should go here, actually. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alden. Like, I think... No, you already moved my cat in the hat down three, four places. I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay, I think the SpongeBob movie's funny and all, but nothing in the, in the SpongeBob movie makes me laugh more than Scooby punching Fred in the face on the plane. Scooby dressed as grandma on the plane alone is pretty funny. Yes. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't have that same appreciation for the first one. It's still in my top 10, but I just, I can't. The SpongeBob movie's great and all. It's a great conclusion to SpongeBob, but then it wasn't a conclusion to SpongeBob, so it's in that weird middle thing now. Like, I think the SpongeBob movie's really good, but I think we're just over-elevating it like we did with the Nickelodeon movie. Good Burger should have won that list, so I think... But you got the SpongeBob movie to win. So, I think the SpongeBob movie just belongs here. <laughs> Good Burger should have won that list. If Good Burger should have won, then why didn't you uh, watch it with me when I asked last week? Because I've seen the SpongeBob movie a million times. Or are you talking about Good Burger? I'm talking about Good Burger. I asked you if you wanted to watch it, and you you left the call. That's probably at work. I don't know. You were in the Discord call. I doubt you were at work. I don't know. I was Maybe I was watching one of these movies for homework. I don't know. This is a mess. All right, so number seven, we have Cat in the Hat. Number six, I think SpongeBob movie. We got to get rid of these locks eventually. I personally have Enchanted a lot higher. Enchanted's way higher. And Enchanted's way higher for me, too. I'm sitting at Enchanted as my number 8, but the Spongebob movie's my number 11, so I'm more of like, let's get rid of the Spongebob movie. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Spongebob movie didn't really make my list. I I barely felt qualifying for this list. I'm happy to see it here. And Wally qualified? (laughs) All of these movies qualified, I'm telling you. I put together a list of, like, 48 movies that all qualified for this (laughs) subgenre. Alright, so Spongebob movie number 6. Yeah, Spongebob Squarepants the movie, right here at number 6. I think that's a healthy spot for it. I I love that movie. I think it's I think it's aged really well. Love the goofy goober stuff. The the finale's awesome. The soundtrack is really good. It's great. I feel like I always need to hate on this movie, but I really enjoyed the movie. <laughs> it never sounds like it. All right. We're moving into the top five now. Things are getting messy. Paddington 2 is my number five. I know it's getting a minute <laughs> nah. at this point. <laughs> Shit's Kino. I mean, honestly, guys, like, we should do a commentary track of Paddington 2. Like, it it has a lot of really funny moments. There's a great, great, great bit where Hugh Grant's doing, like, this elaborate musical number, and it's, it's pretty wild. Hugh Grant's in the movie? Yeah. Hugh Grant was in the first one, he's in the second one, too. And Paddington really, like, it grows and it elevates. Like, I see why Paddington 2 is, like, a critic's favorite. It's a very crowd-pleasing family movie. Um, it's a lot of fun. There's there's moments that are completely over the top, and uh, it's it's very very wholesome. But I'm the only Brit bong here, I guess, so it can be omitted. It's an honorable mention with uh, with the first Paddington and Osmosis Jones. <laughs> what do you guys have at number five or lower that we need to place on this list still? I feel like both of you guys are very strongly about Scooby Doo Two, so I have the Lego Movie as my number four. If we want to bump that down to five, that's not a big deal to me. I have the Lego movie at five, 
but I have the first Scooby-Doo and Looney Tunes back in action below it. That's not going to happen. And Josh, you also have Enchanted below it too, yeah? Maybe maybe looking back on it, I put Enchanted too low because I feel like 8 and above. Not actually 9 and above because first we're Robin's my 9. I really like all these movies. They were hard to... The top 10 was really tough for me. Yeah, I agree. I was moving around stuff up until an hour before recording today. Where do you have Enchanted on your list? Enchanted is my number two. Okay. Mine as well. I think what it does is using animation as like a framing device for the movie and bringing these animated characters that you fall in love with in a typical Disney format is very, very smart and then bringing them into the real world. And I think it's it's absolutely hilarious. Like James Marsden's character steals this whole movie for me as Prince Edward, as this like <laughs> bombastic Disney Typical romantic lead, strut in the middle of the city. I was just saying, James Martin's in like four of these movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I was doing a, I was doing a little bit of research. Brendan Fraser is in three of the movies on that forty-eight list. <laughs> James Marsden is in three as well, and then the only person who's in more is Bill Murray, who's in five. <laughs> And I don't think that's a coincidence. Those are real life cartoon characters brought to the brought to real life. <laughs> I would like to see Enchanted go a little bit higher personally. I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Lego movie go here again. Didn't make my list because it has that one live action scene that I think really is the centerpiece of that movie. But I love all the, the animation stuff. The way those movies look, uh, mostly the first Lego movie, is exactly what I grew up watching on YouTube, was people making stop-motion animations on on whatever cameras they could get their hands on. And the Lego movie really brought that magic to life in a way that I really didn't think it was going to. And I didn't think that movie was going to have as good of a script as it did. And I think it really won mainstream audiences over with both... Uh, uh, Lord and Miller. I think they became more uh, of a safe dice roll for studio executives after the success of the first Lego movie. Look at look at Spider-Verse. Look at 22 Jump Street. I mean, all these movies, they have a unique voice, and I think the Lego movie shares that. I just... I, it doesn't really feel in spirit with these for me. I guess the only other question I'd be having is where do you guys have Who Framed Roger Rabbit? It's my number two. Oh, okay. Cool. It would also be top three if I remembered to put it on my list, but reading over the list seven times, I missed it. You forgot who framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, I realized when we got to 18, and I'm like, I'm not changing my list. I feel like who framed Roger Rabbit is the reason why we have this genre. It is, and it should be on this list. <laughs> Damn, who framed Roger Rabbit I don't think should be in this conversation yet. It, be- it It's the blueprint for all of these other movies literally any other movie yeah. and it's also really good yeah it's it's a phenomenal movie yeah I, we don't need to place who framed roger rabbit here i was just bringing it up to make sure we were we had it on the list so let's just say each of us what movie we think belongs at number five and hopefully two of us say the same thing uh josh you want to go first i don't um <laughs> i feel like there's a strong thing about scooby-doo 2 even though that's my number five, so I'm just going to say the Lego movie. Um, I think Scooby-Doo 1 belongs here. Alden, what do you think belongs here? We're at five, correct? Yep. Yeah. My number five is the Lego movie, but I also agree with you that Scooby-Doo 1 should go here. Scooby-Doo 1? Scooby-Doo 1's my number one. Scooby-Doo 2's my number one. All right, all right. We're not going to place anyone's number one here. Does anyone have the Lego movie at number one? No. No. Lego movie's going here at number five. All right, cool. Do we want to sing the praises of the Lego movie a little bit more, Alden? I think you have it the highest. It's Chris Pratt's best movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fact. Well, I don't know. 
Guardians 2 is pretty great, too. Yeah, he's pretty great at Guardians 2, actually. <laughs> yeah, you can you can make an argument for Guardians stuff, but, like, I don't know. The Lego movie, I think when I first watched it, or when I first, like, walked out of it, I wasn't I wasn't too big a fan. I, I, I didn't... I didn't appreciate it until probably a year later. I didn't even watch it again. I was just remembering it, and it was... Honestly, it's probably the best modern Will Ferrell movie. He's pretty He's pretty damn good in this movie. Yes. Yeah, he plays the villain, and then he also plays, like, the dad in the live-action scene. And so the villain. Yeah, you buy both characters. It, this is definitely one that you, you can sit and appreciate more and more. Anybody who grew up watching um, those, like, Lego youtube videos shout out to forest fire 101 absolutely i love forest fire 101 to this day this man's making great content um yeah i feel like anybody who grew up watching channels like forest fire 101 is gonna love the lego movie because it felt like a um they did a fantastic job with it it almost felt like a finale to that genre of youtube where it's like this is what it could become and it could become like a feature film which was really awesome to see, I'm sure, for those creators in that. And I hope creators like Forest Fire 101 in that like get even bigger deals in that because they're very talented people, and I think um, they deserve to get awesome jobs in the future, too. Absolutely. Not about the Lego movie, but I'd like to point out Tom Kenny is in four of the movies on the original list, including Revenge of the Fallen. Sweet. Lego movie number five. Uh, no, yeah, number five. I have five movies left on my list in the top four. I, that's both Scooby-Doo movies, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Looney Tunes Back in Action, and Enchanted. I want to see what the average lowest movie is here again. I think it's Scooby-Doo between both me and Alden, but it's also Josh's number one. And Scooby-Doo 2 is Josh's number one. Or Alden's number one. Yeah. Scooby-Doo 2, yeah, number Alden's number one. So it looks like this is a Scooby-Doo debate right now. Sounds like they might be marrying in a spot a little bit higher than the number four. How high does everyone have Who Framed Roger Rabbit? You said you have it at number two, Josh. I have it at number four. Yeah. No, that's a hot take. It would have been in my top three if I didn't just completely misread it. Okay, so reading The Room, then, it sounds like it's between my one and two, Looney Tunes Back in Action and Enchanted. Which of these movies do we think belongs here at number four? Enchanted, just because um, I love Enchanted. I think it's a great movie, but, like, when I think of this genre, I think of more of that Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Looney Tunes Back in Action type, where you have these 2D characters interacting with live action, and Enchanted, like, it has a great transition, but there's no interaction there. It's not a hybrid. It's more of like, this is the first act where it's 2D, and then the rest of the movie, it's it's all live action. You get the gist that it's this princess coming into, or showing up in our world. Um, it's a great movie for that, though. I'm not... I'm not knocking it at all. I'm, I'm not a hater on Enchanted. I think it's one of the most underrated Disney movies, actually. I'm I'm super excited it's getting a sequel on Disney Plus or whatever, wherever it's going. Yeah, Disenchanted. They've got the whole main cast back. Idina Menzel, Amy Adams, Patrick Dempsey, and uh, James Marsden. So hopefully they're able to make something... They catch that lightning in a bottle a second time. I think it's one of those cult Disney movies that just... I don't know how it did at the box office. I'm assuming it did okay, but it, it definitely seemed like a bit of a risk, a bit of a dice roll. It it pokes fun at the tropes in Disney princesses. And as a 
how when this movie came out 2007 yeah i was like literally an eight-year-old boy disney princess movies weren't really landing for me i didn't see princess and the frog or tangled in theaters those were the next two movies to come out of that disney princess main line because i think this movie really did it so well where it's like hey let's establish a new disney princess she has you know She's very much in the same vein as someone like Cinderella, where she's able to sing and talk with these, like, animals and stuff. But then they bring it into the real world. They bring them to New York City. And, yeah, I I think what this movie does so well is bringing cartoon-esque characters into the real world. I love the CGI chipmunk in this movie. He's fucking hilarious. One of the best scenes in the movie is when he's trying to explain that he knows the entire plot of the villain and he's choking on an ice cube trying to imitate the poison apple. This movie, I can watch it right now and I will actually laugh out loud laughing. It's one of the funniest Disney movies ever made. If you have not seen Enchanted, please watch it. It's number two on this list for me for a reason and uh, I I wouldn't have it any other way. But uh, on this group list, it's number four. I don't know. I, I agree with you, though, Josh. It doesn't blend that cartoon and um, live-action element. It does tonally, but in terms of, like, the actual mediums uh, changing and interchanging, it becomes it's a cartoon at the beginning, then it's a live-action movie, and then it's a cartoon again at the very, very end. And that doesn't really land for everybody. Um, it's definitely not as much of a hybrid movie like the rest of these it's it's totally two different stories but i mean you did mention the chipmunk which yeah is throughout yeah he is throughout but he's just but also every movie these days has some kind of cgi creature like we could have had the guardians movies on this list then right we could have had all of the marvel movies on here yeah and that wasn't the point of this episode so i'm happy to see enchanted make it this far i'm happy it made it into the top five i could sleep well knowing i defended this movie to the grave I, I don't know i have two two unplaced movies below it i don't know four just seems a bit low for something like enchanted the only other option is we place either looney tunes back in action or who framed roger rabbit lower so i don't think we're doing either one of those i mean no i'm fine with back in action going lower no we are now in the top three movies we've got looney tunes back in action both uh james gunn written scooby-doo movies and who framed roger rabbit fighting for the top three all right well since enchanted got uh completely dropped because of its lack of blending i'd like to point out the cgi whatever they are in the scooby-doo movie are pretty bad and CGI buff uh, Scrappy is horrendous. <laughs> and that's the only reason it's on this list. Are you knocking your own number one? You mean my number seven? I We've now merged the movies. We're going to have to to get them all to fit here. I guess. Proof Frame, Roger Rabbit, and Looney Tunes back in action are the staples of this genre. They have to be on the list. I mean, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is just incredible. Yeah, I think what Who Framed Roger Rabbit did for this genre, it springboarded it to be what it is. It also, with without Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you wouldn't have Space Jam, and therefore you wouldn't have Looney Tunes back in action. You wouldn't have this trend that we saw all through the 2000s of blending these two CGI characters and, and live-action characters i I really think that that was a trendsetter i think tonally who framed roger rabbit's a little odd where you have all these slapstick characters you have all these crazy cartoon characters but at the heart of the story it's a detective story in the same way that osmosis jones is it's about finding out who is behind um trying to pin roger rabbit and you get great red herrings in both um 
uh, Jessica Rabbit. You have a lot of really memorable characters in here. And I think Christopher Lloyd as Judge Doom is, is a great villain. Uh, I just think this movie, the longer it goes on, the less of a cartoon movie it becomes and the more of a detective movie it becomes. I think it's a trendsetter for a lot of reasons, but the reason I put it below beloved movies that came after it for me was just because tonally, when I want to see a cartoon live-action hybrid in, in the same era and in, in the same vein as Scooby-Doo 2 or Looney Tunes Back in Action or even Enchanted, those movies are all pretty lighthearted all the way through. Even if the whole world's at stake or whatever, like they are in all three of those movies, you really feel um, it's a it's a cartoon brought to life. And that's what wins me over in these kind of movies. Whereas like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it's all commentary on the highway systems and how that destroyed parts of the city of Los Angeles and and how it destroyed animation. And, and it's good commentary. It really is. It's Robert Zemeckis' best movie, in my opinion. I like Who Framed Roger Rabbit more than I like Forrest Gump. I like it more than all three Back to the Future movies. I think this movie is a masterpiece. <laughs> but... In terms of what I'm looking at in tone of this subgenre, I'd prefer all three of the movies I have above it. I don't know. I think with the tone and, and the detective uh, aspect of it, that's what I like so much about it is I don't always expect like just pure, uh, I don't know, unmature, mature comedy, whatever from an animated movie. I, I feel like I have more experience with animated stuff than the both of you, not anime because garbage but whatever i i feel like you don't have to have just pure slapstick comedy throughout the entire thing and i appreciate the fact that with it being a detective murder well yeah like a mystery would somebody with more anime experience have dreamworks's home in their top 15 yeah i had fun with it you didn't even watch more than 10 i feel like i didn't need to watch dreamworks's home i mean you don't need to but you still didn't watch more than 10, so my statement still stands. What do you mean? I had like a top I had a top 15. You had a top 15. Yeah, I've seen like 20 DreamWorks movies, just not any recent ones. I'm sorry, why are we talking about homework of a episode we did like a year ago? Cuz Alden says he had more experience in animated movies than us, but then he had Home at his number 11 in the DreamWorks ranking. I'm not even talking just movies, I'm talking shows and other stuff as well. I I think Alden does have a better uh, maybe more experience in animation than I do. I, I can confess that for sure. I don't know. Uh, sorry, we got a little lost. The fact that they're incorporating characters like this into a semi-serious plot like they have, it works really well. It's not a hindrance to it at all. It doesn't hurt the, the plot or any of that because it still progresses just fine. The movie's pacing is not a problem for me at all. I think Bob Hoskins really anchors this movie down. I can't think of too many actors that have the range that would be able to pull off interacting with as many cartoon characters as possible. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it's he's fantastic. I guess where we could lead otherwise, if we don't want to place Who Framed Roger Rabbit here at number three, is putting my number one lower than your guys' number ones, and that would be Looney Tunes Back in Action. I think that Looney Tunes Back in Action is kind of in that same vein, a lightning in a bottle situation where you have 
early 2000s cinema is is kind of captured in the same way we were talking about um, two weeks ago on the podcast, uh, the Fast and the Furious movies. When I think early 2000s cinema, I think of the Fast and the Furious movies one and two. I think of the Austin Powers sequels, and I think of Looney Tunes back in action because this movie has a lot of that same kind of meta awareness about the industry. Daffy, the whole reason he's involved in the plot of this movie is because he got cut and fired from Warner Brothers because he's not as funny as Bugs. And there's this whole, like competitive edge to everything that's going on. Brendan Fraser is playing Brendan Fraser's stunt double in The Mummy. Like, there's a lot of kind of self-aware humor about Universal's intellectual properties, about Warner Brothers as a whole. I think that Steve Martin is very funny as like this over-the-top cartoonish villain where all these characters and all these cartoon goons, he's able to just send out and stop this, this James Bond-esque plot. I personally love Looney Tunes back in action, but I understand why it isn't as influential to the genre as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I mean, that literally created and birthed this genre. But at the same time, it's not as beloved as the two Scooby-Doo movies. I mean, people our age will talk about one of those two Scooby-Doo movies. Like, it was their favorite movie growing up. It was. I don't think too many people can say that about Looney Tune back in action. I don't think it made the money that Warner Brothers was, was expecting. It was a critical dud, despite it having very funny, very edgy humor for that same kind of vein of the first scooby-doo movie i think uh i think this is a very solid top three no matter how we place it but i want to place it in the way that makes this panel the happiest i could see looney tunes back in action here at number three and it was my number one i think what it does right it does very very right seeing the looney tunes in the real world and how well they're all integrated i mean yosemite sam he uh, he's running a casino he runs a casino that sounds like something yosemite sam would do if he was a real person in this world Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny, they're both movie stars. They're making their own animated shorts. That's what they do. That's who they are. If Bugs Bunny was a real person, he'd be in Hollywood. Uh, he's, he's based off of Humphrey Bogart characters. He's based off of all these things of film history, so it makes sense. And uh, this movie totally feels like one big cartoon, even though it has a lot of live-action set pieces. And uh, you want to talk about being relevant and still being funny? That Tweety sequence is fucking hilarious in Africa. <laughs> it's, it's too funny for me to repeat. Like, literally, I, you couldn't say that today. I was listening to uh, Nate's argument here, and I think you've swayed me. Yeah, I'm kind of on board. Maybe Who Framed does, does go at number three. I think just our experience alone the when we watched it like two months ago or whenever that elevates it enough just thinking back to it which is also my first and only viewing of this movie again i can't sing the praises of who framed roger rabbit enough uh, it birthed this subgenre. the fact that it's the only time we've seen mickey mouse and bugs bunny on screen to date and it's probably the only time we'll ever see that happen again <laughs> it's movie magic it's one of those things that you will never see again and I can't recommend it enough. If for some reason you've gone this long without seeing Who Framed Roger Rabbit, literally just watch it now. You, you'll be impressed. I think it's held up extremely well. So Who Framed Roger Rabbit, number three. We are now fighting the two Scooby-Doo movies married into one, f one spot on our list up against Looney Tunes back in action. So both of you have detriments. Alden, you had Scooby-Doo lower... Uh, out of your top five, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, just barely. And uh, Scooby-Doo 2 is your number one. And Josh, you're in the opposite predicament where Scooby-Doo is your number one. And Scooby-Doo 2 
is in your top five? Uh, yeah, it was my number five. So let's fight it out. What are the uh, the high points and the low points between the two Scooby-Doo movies? And then I'll uh, be interjecting with why Looney Tunes back in action is better. <laughs> kind of second-guessing my list right now for like the first time ever. Because the more I think about Looney Tunes back in action, the the way the humor in that, as much as I like the first Scooby-Doo... I think the first Scooby-Doo is a really fun time capsule for the two... You talked about how 2000s movies are. I think Scooby-Doo also belongs in that. It is the ultimate, like, 2000s movie. Sugar Ray has a musical song in this movie for some reason. <laughs> Sugar Ray performs in it. Uh, the hair and costumes alone is very 2000s. Um, the cast is incredibly 2000s. I mean, you're, it's starring Matthew Lillard, Freddie Prince Jr., like... Those are two, like, main, like, 2000s, like, late 90s icons were... Sarah Michelle Gellar was still Buffy the Vampire Slayer when they made this first movie. Linda Carnellini was fresh off of Freaks and Geeks. It's lightning in a bottle, that casting. It really is. The cast is awesome. But then going back to Looney Tunes back in action, like you talked about with, like, the humor it had, um, it is such a great, I guess, like, not a behind the scenes but yeah like a behind the scenes parody of like warner brothers and like it also had like callbacks to like warner brothers properties that i think are really funny like they had like they were shooting like a look like a tim burns batman movie in it or uh or it looked like batman forever or whatever and um there is a, there's a fun cameo in Looney Tunes back in action of the cartoon shaggy yelling at matthew lillard and <laughs> it's great <laughs> the more i think about it the more do we need to elevate looney tunes back in action because it has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle of the history of like this genre because space jam is very popular but i think looney tunes back in action is the better movie all in all i, I just i think it's way more centered around the tunes it 100 percent is it was about bringing them back and they integrate each character into definitely each looney tunes character into the real world yeah like the uh the three little bears or the the three bears they're in Paris when Brendan Fraser happens to be climbing the Eiffel Tower and losing his pants. So he beats up Papa Bear and steals his pants. It's like there's all these really great moments of these are just the Looney Tunes. Like, yeah, it's one of those things where you wouldn't really be able to do a movie like Back in Action again, because if you are, you're just ripping it off. But if you were to rip it off, it would probably be better than whatever the hell Space Jam 2 A New Legacy is going to be. Yeah, true. Yeah, probably. I also like how uh, Steve Martin's character has all these, like, cartoon goons at his disposal. He's sending Wile E. Coyote to try to defeat them in the desert. And then he sends Tasmanian Devil to go and destroy them in the jungle. It's all these, like, fun, throw the Looney Tunes villains at their spot. And and it, it totally feels like an hour-long Looney Tunes movie. I think it's just over an hour and a half. Directed by Joe Dante, who, mind you... He's, he made the Gremlins movies. He made the Burbs. He made Small Soldiers. He made the Howling. Like, this dude made, like, dark comedies all the way through. He has a section in the Twilight Zone movie. Like, you can tell that there was a love and attention to detail with the practical effects, as well as integrating these CGI uh, animations into real practical shooting. Looney Tunes Back in Action, to me, is one of those movies where I'm surprised it isn't talked about more. It's one of those movies that, like the Scooby-Doo movies, they get a lot of love. And for the right reasons, they're great. They casted those movies 
perfectly. Both of them are complete roller coasters in terms of tone. Like, the first movie, Scooby-Doo, was supposed to be an R-rated stoner comedy. <laughs> the original script and what they started shooting before Warner Brothers got their hands on it was a stoner comedy. It was intended for mature audiences. And then the studio was like, well, hang on, this is Scooby-Doo. We're still making money with cartoons and like making cartoon movies maybe we need to tone it down a little and they toned it down just enough where like you can go back and watch the first scooby-doo movie and it's a great watch as an adult but it's also appropriate for kids and i mean the the late 90s and early 2000s scooby-doo movies like the 2d animated are great yeah i think this is the peak of scooby-doo like this era you have scooby-doo and the witch's ghost you have scooby-doo on zombie island you've got um Cyber Chase and uh, Alien Attack were right before this. Then they did this, and then they had the other ones that they were putting out on Cartoon Network as annual releases. You had uh, the Monster Rock or the Vampire Rock, I think is what it was called. You had the Scooby-Doo Goes to Mexico. You, you, they continued doing this animation thing after the success of these movies because I think in a way, this brought a new audience to Scooby-Doo. This brought really young kids back into Scooby-Doo because parents were like, yeah, we're going to go see the Scooby-Doo movie because it's a live action version of what the parents grew up with. Yeah, that's legitimately how it went for for me and i think monsters unleashed does a better job of capturing the fun of what the original scooby-doo was i mean you have a lot of the classic villains from the 60s and 70s run of the show reappear in that movie as opposed to just the beloved characters so i i think either one of these movies or all i guess technically it's dual movies between scooby-doo one and two could top Looney Tunes back in action, but for me, I think Looney Tunes back in action is exactly how you do the Looney Tunes again in the in the real world. Set these characters as if they exist in our world, and it the, the laughs are endless. I think it's the best Brendan Fraser movie. You know, No Sudden Moves comes out the week this drops. Yeah, I think that's going to get passed, but we'll see. I like this more than The Mummy. I think it's funny. I think Brendan Fraser leaning into him, his own typecasting in this movie is is absolutely hilarious i i love all the set pieces of this movie it has that globe trotting spy element it it it's as bombastic as bombastic gets but you also have two really solid scooby-doo movies that have found love with our generation because we grew up watching these movies and then we watched them again as adults and they were even better they were even funnier <sighs> this is a tough one it is I could go either way, and I don't normally feel that way. If I have to, if I have to poke at the two Scooby-Doo movies for the sake of trying to get my number one to win, the way that they animate the Looney Tunes feels totally perfect in Looney Tunes back in action. None of those characters feels out of place. Whether it be Yosemite Sam and his goons in the casino, you believe that those characters exist in that space. When I watch the two Scooby-Doo movies, I believe that everything is in the right place except scooby-doo the titular character the way he's animated the way he moves it feels just a little uncanny whereas they stuck to the traditional art style with the tunes they didn't feel the need to do what they're doing with the space jam 2 a new legacy and make them fully cg 3d models they're still 2d animated just made out of computer animation and i think it works perfectly 
I think the look of Scooby-Doo himself is a little dated in both of these movies. Yeah, I do agree with that. And that's kind of what Looney Tunes Back in Action took out of the book of Roger Rabbit, was keeping it in a traditional 2D animated style, just computer animating it so it fits more naturally in the scene. Whereas Scooby-Doo, they went with a full 3D model for Scooby-Doo, and it feels just a little uncanny, especially in scenes where he's riding on the back of a, mo- of a motorcycle with uh, Shaggy in, in the first Scooby-Doo movie, or in the second D- Scooby-Doo movie when uh, he's uh, pretty much skateboarding on a fire extinguisher putting out the slime monster. There's just a couple of scenes that feel a little too CG-oriented that don't feel like I'm watching a Scooby-Doo movie. It feels like I'm watching any any movie that came from the early 2000s. (laughs) Beside those few moments, tonally the Scooby-Doo movies are perfect. They're exactly what they needed to be. I I do think the first one should have leaned into that R rating a little bit heavier, Um, but... It's great. It's perfect. When I was younger watching the first one, there was definitely a lot lost on me. And I think that has carried over to why I placed it so low now. It's just I never really appreciated what is it, what it was until I watched it like two years ago, I believe. For Looney Tunes back in action, I agree completely that the the animation they used and the everything they built around incorporating those characters it works perfectly i mean you got the scene where they i think they steal someone's car the entire like street around them is so weird and uh they took jeff gordon's nascar yeah yeah jeff the jeff gordon cameo is wild (laughs) (laughs) what it looks like is an exaggerated vegas strip like it's everything about it works really well and i i don't want to I don't, I don't really want to lean into putting Looney Tunes back in action above two of our first places, but you, you're you convincing me. I think they convince me. I think Looney Tunes back in action needs to be elevated here. I just want Looney Tunes back in action to make it a little too far in our end of the year bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, okay, yeah, you convinced me. The winner. Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah, I'd like to point out that Looney Tunes back in action had... Uh, both Shaggies. They started with with the original, and then they had well, not and then they had uh, Matthew Lillard as well, and they're as himself. The new Scoob movie had neither of them. Yeah, Will Forte. I like him too. I think he was a fine choice, but but you have two choices of of Shaggy's voice that are just completely recognizable and have been used over the last two decades. Yeah, Matthew Lillard brought a lot to Shaggy and like the animated team behind Warner Brothers kept him on to continue voicing Shaggy indefinitely. Yeah, I mean, both of these people were continuing to, to voice Shaggy until even this year, and then Scoob just didn't use him at all. Well, we've been forgetting to do this in the last few episodes. We need everyone to read their individual lists before I read the group list. I'll move first. Number 25, Hop. Number 24, Garfield the Movie. Number 23, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Number 22, Kangaroo Jack. 21, Space Jam. 20, James and the Giant Peach. 19, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. 18, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked. 17, Pokemon, Detective Pikachu. 16, Monkey Bone. 15, Cool World. 14, Casper. 13, Sonic the Hedgehog. 12, Paddington. 11, Stuart Little. 10, The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. 9, Christopher Robin. 8, 
Osmosis Jones, 7, The Cat in the Hat, 6, Scooby-Doo, 5, Paddington 2, 4, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, 3, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, 2, Enchanted, and number 1, Looney Tunes Back in Action. Number 25, Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number 24, Tim Burns Dumbo. What? (laughs) (laughs) Number 23, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Number 22, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Number 21, Kangaroo Jack. Number 20, Ted. Number 19, Sonic the Hedgehog. Number 18, the original Alvin and the Chipmunks. Number 17, Ted 2. Number 16, Detective Pikachu. Number 15, uh, Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Thomas the Tank Engine and the Magic Railroad. Excuse me. Number 14, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Number 13, Bumblebee. Number 12, Wall-E. Number 11, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Number 10, Garfield 2, Tale of Two Kitties. Number 9, Christopher Robin. Number 8, Enchanted. Number 7, Space Jam. Number 6, The Cat in the Hat. Number 5, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. Number 4, The Lego Movie. Number 3, Looney Tunes Back in Action. Number 2, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And number 1, Scooby-Doo. Okay, 25 is Transformers. 24 is Ready Player One. 23 is Ted. 22 is Ted 2. 21 is Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. 20 is Sponge Out of Water. 19 is Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. 18 is Osmosis Jones. 17 is Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakle. 16 is Christopher Robin. 15 is Pokemon uh, Detective Pikachu. 14 is Sonic the Hedgehog. 13 is The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. 12 is Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked. 11 is Wally. 10 is Bumblebee. Uh, 9 is Space Jam. 8 is the first Scooby-Doo. 7 is Looney Tunes Back in Action. 6 is the Lego Movie. 5 is the SpongeBob SquarePants Movie. 4 is the Cat in the Hat. 3 is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. 2 is Enchanted. And 1 is Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. All right, and time for the group list. First things first, we got three honorable mentions. We've got Osmosis Jones, Paddington, and Paddington 2. (laughs) Number 25. Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 24, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. Number 23, Transformers. Number 22, Kangaroo Jack. Number 21, Ted 2. Number 20, SpongeBob, Sponge Out of Water. 19, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked. Number 18, Detective Pikachu. 17, Alvin and the Chipmunks. 16, Monkey Bone. 15, Rocky and Bullwinkle. 14, Bumblebee. 13, Casper, 12, Sonic the Hedgehog, 11, Thomas and the Magic Railroad, 10, Wall-E, 9, Christopher Robin, 8, Space Jam, 7, Cat in the Hat, 6, SpongeBob SquarePants the Movie, number 5, The Lego Movie, number 4, Enchanted, number 3, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, number 2, Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, And number one, the best CG animated live action hybrid is Looney Tunes Back in Action. What the fuck is Ready Player One doing on your list, Alden? (laughs) Wait. I like it. Wait, what number was Ready Player One? 24. That's fine. It's low enough. All right. I thought thought it was like in this top 15. I I have fun with it. I don't don't think it's good or anything, (laughs) but 
Yeah, I do have fun with it, and I like its style. My 25 to 20 is questionable. Hey, just be glad that Smurfs dropped out of my list when I fixed it for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I am very proud of that. Smurfs is fucking terrible. <laughs> um, is there, um, is there any, like, I guess, animated, um, action or live action hybrids you want to see in the future? I know that's a weird question to ask because it's always like for a lot of people they roll their eyes when they like hear about it. But uh, as we as we saw with this list, there's some really good ones. Yeah, one thing that really disappointed me because I was a fan of this subgenre a lot, especially when I was a younger kid. The first one that really disappointed me, I included it on the list to see if anyone was gonna place it. I doubt any of you guys saw it. The Yogi Bear movie was the first one where I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> Who hurt everybody? Like, what is, what am I dealing with right now? And it was, it was really, really bad. Uh, granted, I did really enjoy it at the time. Um, but it was like, it was bad. Like Trevor and I watched it together. I think my dad took me and my brothers and Trevor to go see it. And, uh, there's a scene where they take this like makeshift, like basket cart. Cause like I watched a lot of the Hanna-Barbera cartoons as a kid. So like seeing Yogi Berra brought to the big screen, I was like, this is great. Like he's one of the most iconic Hanna-Barbera, like 60s, 70s cartoons. Like I'm happy they're bringing him to the screen. It wasn't it. It really was not it. They take this, like, makeshift, like, picnic basket robbing machine over a cliff, and Bobo's like, Yogi! <laughs> and then Trevor just leaned over to me, and he's like, cut to credits. <laughs> I was like, bro, if they died right now, that'd be fucking insane. I don't know. I really think that there's tons of characters that can be brought to life in this same way. I, I think it's, it's surprising to me that Disney hasn't leaned more into this. With the success they had in terms of the script of Enchanted, and where they're going with remaking everything. The only other one that really qualified besides Dumbo was Peach Dragon, but that movie bombed. Like, Peach Dragon did not do well, and I liked that movie a lot. It's directed by the guy who did a ghost story. What about Aladdin? Aladdin fucking sucked. I mean, yeah, but does that count? Like, Disney is seemingly making some weird effort in their remakes to, to try and do something like this. Well, I guess Aladdin is like, oh, we're gonna have CGI Will Smith genie, sure yeah but i think what they could have done and i don't know how this would have gone over with fans but they didn't change much of that script for genie will smith is pretty much still reading robin williams lines i would have been fine if they which were like half improv which is why i don't think you could do aladdin without genie not disney's aladdin at least i think the way to go would have been to just bring that genie into that movie and i think that probably would have been a really sour subject for some oh cgiing the same like look that aladdin had that, that that genie had in aladdin and bringing that to whatever the live action remake was i think that that would have been really good cuz he felt like a cartoon character and they all, they actually have an r rated cut with the improv lines that Robin Williams brought to the table, <laughs> they, they could have done something with Disney's Aladdin bringing Robin Williams back in a kind of post-mortem way with outtakes and things. Like, there was a lot of deleted stuff from the original Disney's Aladdin that they could have brought into the new Aladdin if they needed to make something happen. But, of course, that's probably not going to make money, and it's probably going to be really controversial. So putting someone like Will Smith in that spot, it worked, but it didn't look like the Aladdin that I grew up watching. It didn't, like, Genie didn't look like the Genie from Aladdin. It looked like Will Smith in Blueface. <laughs> yeah it looked like will smith blew himself 
I don't know, Josh, is there one that's on your head of a uh, live-action movie that you'd like to see done in this style? I feel like, I don't know. I feel like they've done everything. I'm trying to think of something that could work in this, like, kind of in, like, a comedic sense, too. Um, I, I don't think it'd be a bad idea if they, like, tried to go for another, not the same character, but, like, go for another Ted, like an original character, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I think there was a lot of comedic opportunities with Ted, and, like, I think they executed a lot of it, but I think there's still, like, comedic opportunities with, like, that type of idea. Yeah, no, I like how Ted is, is like, oh, we brought, like, one teddy bear to life, and he became, like, a celebrity in a kind of way. Like, yeah. that was a cool, like, element to add to make that movie work in, like, a, in a grounded sense or whatever. Like, oh, this is real life. This isn't a cartoon type thing. But I gotta say, go back and watch Monkey Bone, because if you want to do that in a way that is out there, but it's that same kind of, like, an original character, and he's in the real world and do it more, like, whimsical, that's probably the way to do it. Like, I think if they did a Monkey Bone remake, they'd probably do pretty well. With, like, a slightly better direction and slightly better tone, it would it would land well. Who would direct it and who would star in it? Um, well, I mean, Chris Pratt's in a couple of these movies, and I think his career's kind of hitting a real awkward lull right now. I think, uh, I think it'd be a good... Chris Pratt could be the main guy, and then you get some out there stand-up comic, someone who's not afraid to make some jokes in the same way that, like... Robin Williams did in the recording booth doing voiceover work for the genie find something that that works and have the animators take it from there someone like that who does fast improv can can handle themselves under a hot mic and and do good comedy you just have them in that monkey bone type role and and you animate around it that's it's how this genre started that's why who framed Roger Rabbit works so well you blocked it all out and you storyboarded it all and you had a grounded realistic character and a narrative to follow it's such a uh, fascinating genre because it's a genre that's only been around for so long too it's a more recent genre i think rango is pretty close to being a full-on like live action movie like in terms of how they did the motion capture for for johnny depp's character and stuff in that movie i mean it's pretty much like if buster keaton were the main character of chinatown that's pretty much what rango is is it's like what if we put a slapstick character in charge of this big controversy of people taking away water and it that that would be a good thing to do like Something like Rango, but in real life, but the main character just happens to be a giant CGI lizard would be pretty cool. All right, well, I think that does it for this week's episode of Duel of the Takes. Sorry it's a longer one, those of you listening at home. Uh, we had a lot of fun with this. Uh, what are your guys' takeaways here? Uh, Watch Looney Tunes back in action. All right. Yeah. 